What is up, Sports Burrito Nation? Welcome to the podcast. We're coming off a big weekend of, at least for me, my teams putting me through all kinds of knots. But we're here. We made it through. It is currently Wednesday, October 13th. We are recording very, very early in the morning because me and Tahib have no sleep schedule whatsoever. Um, I know it was rough for you this weekend, man. How you doing? Uh, all, all my teams lost in heartbreaking fashions. All my bets on Saturday lost on literally pretty much the last minute or uh, injured starting quarterback. Um, all the good guys in baseball so far have lost. And nope. um, hey, Atlanta, you know, freaking Atlanta. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a fan of Atlanta sports. That's fine. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, I mean, personally, my bets did not go well this weekend either. We have both we bonded over that most of the weekend, and then I was extremely down bad last night at halftime of the Ravens Colts game. Um. But as we will talk about it later, but we we know how things went down the rest of uh, the rest of Monday night, um, and yeah, I mean, we got a, we got a lot a lot going on. We're going to talk about stuff that happened this weekend and uh, and some stuff that happened today. So let's get into it. Uh, where do you want you want to start with? Um, start well, with start Wilder, with, uh, Fury Wilder. Yeah, the biggest biggest event of the weekend. Easily, worldwide, Easily. all that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, in the in the in the fight, um, Wilder he came out swinging. He tried to finish it early. Actually, knocked um, Tyson Fury down twice yeah. in the fourth um fourth round, and then after that, um, he didn't he didn't have much gas left in the tank, but he still toughed it out all until the 11th round yeah i mean you know very rarely do when we watch sports things like sports events that things go exactly how majority of people expected it to go and i feel like this is the like we talked about the other day this is exactly what we thought would happen that wilder would come out trying to swing a whole bunch and eventually the fact that fury is just a better technical boxer and can eat those haymakers that he would wear him out and win and that's exactly what happened but I will say, Deontay Wilder is a damn warrior because that dude was getting his dome rocked after round four constantly. He looked like he was going to fall out. I don't know how many times. And he just kept staying up and kept fighting. And he could have quit well into that fight, and no one would have been called him a pussy or anything. That was he, he showed a lot of heart. It was, it was one of the it was probably the best boxing match that I've watched live in my life. Yeah, I think it was one of these um few boxing matches that we have to actually live up to the hype. Yeah. Because you know, we had um Pacquiao versus Mayweather, um, and that really wasn't much of a great fight, and then Mayweather versus McGregor, it was good for like three rounds ish. And then there was just a point you knew it was over. I think this one really lived up to the hype. And it was a great finale for the trilogy that we can all be honest and say Tyson Fury won all three of those fights, even though, you know, the first one was a draw. 
I think most people would say that he won the fight. Yeah, but it was super entertaining. I loved it. And and this was better for casual fans to watch boxing. It was a lot of big punches. It was, was I mean, they hugged a lot, you know, or, but that was because they were exhausted and getting hit in the face <laughs> so much. But there wasn't a lot of dancing around. They were going after each other. And, you know, Floyd's box, Floyd is one of the most elite technical boxers of all time, but his boxing matches are not fun to watch because – yeah, people don't hit him. There's no hits, and he doesn't hit people super hard either. Excuse me. Um, yeah, but yeah, I thought it was. I, I think. Really, yeah, go ahead. I was just saying. I thought. I thought it was really good, and I enjoyed it the most I've watched any boxing match. That's the type of fights that will keep compete with the UFC, where they haven't in the last few years. Yeah, I think this was a real wake up call to people that you know having watched real boxing or having to watch it in a while, you know, we've all been on the Jake Paul, Logan Paul clown show. And I think this just shows people that there's like real boxers. They're, they're real different from what you see in these YouTube fights. Yeah. And I mean, we've, I've been a little more impressed with Jake Paul when he fights or whatever, whether regardless of how annoying he is, but if he would have been in the ring with either one of them, either one of them and i get there's different weight classes and all that either one of them hit him anywhere close to as hard as they hit each other over and over and over he'd have been flat on his ass them two guys were throwing haymakers i can't even imagine either one of them hit me in the face i I might have to go straight i'd probably have to go straight to the hospital and i'd have genuine fear for my life especially wilder dude because like fury is a better boxer but oh my God, dude! Deontay Wilder swings so damn hard. Did you could hear the times he would connect with Fury? Like he punched him in the ribs yeah. one time, and it sounded like someone barehanded slapped the mat in a quiet in, a, in an empty room. It was just like boom. I mean, I don't. It's crazy. It's crazy. But it was it was fun. I enjoyed it far more than I thought I was going to because I'm not a, a super big boxing guy. Uh, but I I loved it. I loved watching it. Yeah, I'm real excited for the future um, of the sport and definitely the future for Wilder and um, Fury both, who they're going to fight next. Um, yeah, I can't wait. And hopefully, you know, maybe one of these j- days, Jake Paul will actually fight a real boxer, not like a retired so, UFC guy. Supposedly, they're, uh, Tommy Fury is the uh, the one that they would like to line up. Yeah, I would love to see Tommy Fury kick his ass. Yeah, that's uh, and Nick and uh, Nick Fury said that not Nick Fury. This is not. Oh God, oh this is not Marvel. Tyson Fury said that he would um, much prefer. Uh, I mean, no, no, not much. I'm getting. I'm all messed up. Tyson Fury said that if Tommy cannot knock him on his ass in the first round or two, that he does not deserve to be boxing and needs to change his name. Because he's a Fury, and that shouldn't happen. Because the other guy is not. A, I mean, because Paul's not a real boxer, so he's it's <laughs> So yeah, it's. I agree with him. No, we'll just have to wait and see. Yep. And next up, we can just pretty much quickly summarize what's happened in the MLB playoffs so far. You know, the Yankees lose. Um, they lost. Yay. Last week, and they're still losing because they haven't fired Aaron Boone yet. Also, um, 
think it was yesterday, Rays lost to the Red Sox 3-1. Yeah. Yep. Of course, that happens to the Rays. They're pretty unlucky. Yeah. Um, not as unlucky as the Mariners, but still up there. Well, we haven't we haven't uh, talked about it during their series. The the ground rule double call that happened was it changed the game, the game three, and it honestly was one of the worst calls I've ever seen in the playoffs. I it was really really bad. I don't know. Did you see it? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think I saw it. That I mean, like it, it's pretty plain that if you are the cause for a ball leaving the playing field, that every runner advances ninety feet. So it, uh, I think it was Diaz that was on third should have went home, and Kevin Kiermeyer should have went the third, and it should have been uh, five to four going into the bottom ninth. And that could change the whole – and people act like – you know, a lot of people say, well, they hit a two-run home run, so it wouldn't have mattered if it just been six to five or whatever. If the, the Rays and their pitching staff approaches the ninth inning different if they're winning, and we don't know what would have happened. So, honestly, this whole series could be different, to be honest, if that one thing goes different. But either way, congratulations to the Red Sox. Um, and you were going to continue with the rest, but I just wanted to bring up that real quick. You, you can keep going. Oh yeah, one um, great big uh, villain of baseball advances, but at least the Yankees lost. Okay, today the Braves beat the Brewers three to one. I guess that's right. The depleted Braves were better than the Brewers in their elite pitching. Situational Braves baseball. Had, yeah, Braves had um, very good pitching, especially late in game. Shut out the Brewers game two and game three. And Freddie Freeman hit a huge walk-off, not walk-off, but bottom of the eighth um, home run yep. to pretty much win the series. It really and came Will down Smith to the – Will Smith was clutch. Yeah, I mean, the, it, it, surprisingly, Will Smith pitched a lot better than he has this year. And the, the Braves played – they did better things when it counted. And a lot of that, I think, is – so the Brewers have a good lineup, but there's nobody on that lineup that is special anymore. Because Christian Yelich is good, but he's not special anymore. Like, yeah. they're consistent. They all are good players. And they've got good bats from the top of the lineup to the back of the lineup, but they don't have anyone that's special. And Freddie Freeman is special, and he makes things happen in the big moments, and he's done that for majority of his career. And I think that was, like, the defining moment. But – uh Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns are still like it's the that is the nastiest one-two punch pitching I like ever. It's ridiculous, not ever, but in the baseball right now, that's got to be the best one-two punch pitching, right? Oh, I'd say besides the Dodgers. Well, they got a one-two-three because they got they got uh, yeah. Scherzer, Bueller, and Urias. And then I don't really count Kershaw in there anymore. Kershaw's not the same guy. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty pretty ridiculous, too. That's fair. But, I mean, those two guys are top – they're two out of the top, what, five for the Cy Young vote, and they're they're one and two in the same pitching rotation? That's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's pretty and, insane. And it's cra- even crazier that the Braves got out of that and they stuck, stole one. It went exactly how I told you it was going there. If they stole one of those two games, they would win the series. Um, I really didn't think they would, but they did. Good for them. Now they got either the Giants or the Dodgers. 
they tied it up two to two tonight. The Dodgers tied it up. Uh, yep. So yeah, I mean that that's been a great series. Honestly, the go other than last night, the games haven't been close, which is weird. It was it was what four to zero, then nine to two, then one to zero, then seven to two. Yeah. So other than one zero, like it hasn't been close. It's it's been weird. Most of the games haven't been close, other than the Braves series. Uh, yeah, the the Astros um they pretty much dominated that series. Yeah, they 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 touched the White Sox inappropriately many times. It was really bad. Yeah, I don't know what happened to the White Sox. They're pitching, but it was it was better than like they have they have guys. They do. They have guys. They have a good bullpen. They have yeah. good, good closers. Giolito, Lance Lynn, uh, Carlos Rodon are a, three good pitchers, and they got dominated. They have, yeah, they have a good roster hitting, too. They couldn't hit on the Astros. I mean, they did score some runs, though. I mean, two to four. You're, you're scoring, well, you scored, what, four runs in two games that they got blown out of? Like, if you score four yeah. runs, you should be able to compete in that game. That shouldn't be a blowout. You know what I mean? Like, so they lost six to one, nine to four. Then they won twelve to six. Oh, they lost ten to one tonight. Oh, never mind. Then yeah, they didn't score a lot of big runs. But either way, they gave up six, nine, twelve, and ten. So I mean, whether or not they hit or not really didn't matter. Yeah, and like when they did hit or take take the lead in every single one of these games, they give it right back the next immediately. Game. Yeah, immediately. I really was surprised. They it's even it's hard game. to have momentum like that. Yeah, and the only reason they won the game three was that they scored twelve runs. They still gave up six. I mean, six is a bad day pitching. You know, six runs usually you lose. So, but yeah, it is what it is right now. So we're set in the American League. We've got the Red Sox and the um, Astros, and that starts Friday. So we'll preview that on Thursday before we do our uh, football stuff. And because we want to wait and see what happens with the Giants and the. Uh, Dodgers, they play on Wednesday night. No, they play yeah. on Thursday, actually. Wednesday. They play on Thursday? Uh, they should because they've got yeah, to go they, back they, to San Francisco. They play on Thursday. Yeah. So they play on Thursday, and after that game, uh, they, play, they play late that night, play at 9. So we'll be recording as that happens. But either way, both both I can probably say will be favorites against the Braves pretty easily. Um the good thing is the Braves will be rested, and both of these teams are going to have to pitch different pitchers than they would like to game one because I imagine they're both going to give. So Urias is starting for the Dodgers on on Thursday, and Logan Webb is starting for the uh, for the Giants. And normally I would think that that's a big deal, but Logan Webb shut them out for seven and two-thirds innings the last game he pitched. So I don't know. Maybe he just has the Dodgers number because he's not like an. I mean, he's a good pitcher, but he's not like an elite arm. I mean, maybe he just has their number. So since they're at home, I'm leaning Giants. Yeah, I think that's going to be a toss up. Just like this whole series is pretty much a toss up. In my opinion, they're the two best teams in baseball. Yeah. They are, and I'd they show much it. Rather, yeah, I'd much rather see them play a seven-game series r- rather than this, but 
you know, yeah. that's probably probably what makes the baseball playoffs so, so um, different. You get matchups like this. Yeah, it's not only the matchups. Is that uh, especially in the first round, every game matters so much because it's only five. Yeah, especially especially if you start off at, as the home team, you really got to win those two games. Because yeah, if you if you lose it's, one, it's you're basically those, yeah. yeah. It's tough to lo- to win those road games against you know the other team. Uh, yeah. Example: the freaking the Rays lost game two, and then. They just couldn't win in Fenway, and the Brewers they lost game two, couldn't win in Atlanta. Yeah, Truist Park, well known, tough place to play. Since it's only two years old, two three years old, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was rocking tonight. Though I don't know if you watched the game because it was a little bit in the afternoon. And I was st- I was at class and I had to watch it in I class. Watched, I, I watched the late innings. Yeah, I got to watch all of it. I watched all of it, but a lot of it I had to watch a class. I'm I'm sorry, Doctor Sebi. I did not pay attention at all today. I was watching baseball. I hope you don't listen to this. Uh, but yeah, it was it was really rocking, and I think they'll have that same atmosphere. Um, and since the next series will be seven games, um, I, I'm I'm really excited. Either one of these teams is going to. It's going to be a great series with Atlanta, but I do worry about Atlanta being tested with their depth at pitching because they played great this time, but the, Charlie Morton and Max Reed, are, one of them is going to have a bad game this next series unless it's just the Braves' time to win. I don't know, but they're, one of them is going to have a bad game, and they just need to – we'll see if they overcome that. Yep, um, and um... – who do you think's gonna come out the AL? <clears throat> I would much prefer the Red Sox, and honestly, the way things have gone and the way that they've played in the playoffs, it feels more like they're like team of destiny kind of thing, because like like that they're supposed to be there this year. Because to me, the Astros, it just felt like they were categorically better than the than the White Sox. They just felt mm-hmm. like they were better. But the Red Sox have had so many weird things break their way and had players play better than – Kike Hernandez was 8 for 9 at one point in that series. Like that is – that doesn't happen often. So, I mean, I think the Astros are a better team, but I'm going to take the Red Sox in the series. But we'll talk about game one Thursday when we do our little preview thing. But, yeah, I do think this is the Red Sox. What about you? Um, I think the way the Astros are playing and the way the Red Sox are playing right now, it's definitely going to be a seven-game series. Yeah. Um, It all comes down to pretty much the – closers that they have i'm not sure about the um red red sox closers who they have or the astros um the red sox i think that i know his name i can picture him i can't i just can't think of it right now i but the um the astros i think right now are using kendall graveman that they traded for from the Mariners. Uh, It's either him or Ryan Presley. Uh, But, yeah. 
yeah, he's he's very good. Let me. I know Boston's just Matt something. I can't remember his actual name. It's Matt. Matt Barnes is their closer, uh, and Matt Barnes is also very good. They also sometimes throw Hansel Robles in there, but that's not as often. Uh, but both of them are really good options. So I'm not really worried about the close either one of the closers. It comes down to starting pitching for me because honestly, both of them are uh, iffy at times. Uh, both sides of the start pitching because like yeah. the Astros have their ace, they have Zach Grinky, and then the Red Sox have their ace, they have Chris Sale, and then after that it's kind of a mixed bag. Oh, actually, Astros ace is Lance McCullers now. My fault, I completely forgot about that. It's Lance McCullers. Um, but after that, it's a little bit more of a mixed bag because Eovaldi is really good sometimes, and sometimes he's really not. Same thing with Eduardo Rodriguez and Nick Pavetta. So we'll have to see what the Red Sox give in terms of pitching because that sometimes is an issue for them. Uh, do you think it's going to be um, how it went with the ALDS for both of these teams where they're scoring more than six runs every game? Just about. I'm not sure. I do think I think the batters are better than the pitchers for the series, whereas I think it's going to be the opposite in the NLDS, regardless of whichever team plays, whichever the Dodgers or the Giants win. I think it's going to be more of a pitching duel, which will make no matter who plays in the World Series, it's going to make it very entertaining. Yep. Are, are they um, still doing the thing and? In- with the universal DH for the World Series, or I'm not sure. I don't think so. Pitchers going to be hitting. I I think it's wherever you're playing. When they play at the Braves or the Giants or the Dodgers, it'll be a D, it'll be no DH. And when they play at the other, when they play at the Red Sox or the Astros, it'll be a DH. If I'm not mistaken. Oh, oh man, can they bring back the universal DH? That was great last season. Yeah, I don't. The thing about Universal DH that I think would, the reason it needs to happen is it makes it, it, it inflates numbers for American League players and makes them seem better than they are a lot of time. Like, because National League players, if you hit eighth in the lineup or you hit first in the lineup, more times than not, you're not getting hit in or you don't have anybody on base because of the nine hole. And, you know, the nine hole on some American League teams is a legit hitter. Like, if the Braves put in a nine hole right now and, and say Jorge Oler was, Soler was healthy, Jock Peterson would be their nine hole hitter. That is scary. Jock Peterson would be hitting ninth because Dansby hits eighth. Dansby Swanson had 27 home runs and 76 RBIs this year, and he hits eighth in their lineup. Like, the, the, the lineup would be completely different. And imagine how many more RBIs Ozzy Albies would have had from hitting first or Jorge Hilaire a lot of the second half. And yeah. how many more runs scored Danji Swanson would have at the eight hole. So, it it just, to me, it makes it, it skews numbers. And it that matters, like, in terms of players long-term, the way we look at them in, historically. And it makes games a little, and it makes it easier to pitch as a national pitcher too, which is why national league pitchers tend to have lower ERAs, higher strikeouts, and their batters tend to have less home runs and less RBIs. 
that nine hole matters a lot in terms of the entire thing when it comes to how we look at statistics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's baseball. It's been it's been a great playoff so far, and I'm sure we're going to get more great moments, get more Freddie Freeman home runs, get more Chris Taylor walk offs, you know, stuff like that. Good stuff. More controversy. We had a weird one with the Braves today. I don't know if you saw that one. They yeah, I saw that. Did they call the ball out of bounds? No, so the guy caught. They called it caught in, in live. They said it was an out. They went to go review it. They say it, the ball back, and then you when you watched it live, it did look like the guy caught it. I did not think any different. It looked like the guy caught it. They went and reviewed it, and it was very clear the ball hit the ground. They come yeah, back, catch it. Yeah, it was very clear. But they came back and then realized they're not allowed to review what they went to go review. That they should have never reviewed it in the first place. So That's they had so to then, then tell Brian Snicker that we reviewed it and the guy shouldn't be out, but technically we're not allowed to review it. And that is our fault. So we do apologize. And that, I mean, the Braves ended up getting two runs that inning anyway, but if you take that out of the board, the Braves might score more. So it's kind of, you know, but regardless, that didn't really change the game too much. It could have, but it didn't. This Braves ended up winning anyway. So, uh, but yeah. Uh, also, we had the NHL start tonight, right? Yep. First time NHL is on ESPN since I think about two thousand four. Jeez, that's cool. Oh, hockey's not my expertise. Been from North Carolina. I do like the Hurricanes. I know the Lightning won last year. I keep up with the playoffs and I watch the playoffs when it's time. I'm I'm very similar to you, how you are with baseball, how I'm about hockey where I don't watch the regular season because it just doesn't it doesn't do it for me. But um who are your who are your teams that you're like highlighting to watch for this year that what what may may not happen for them? Teams to watch out for me. Um I'm gonna be biased. I'm gonna say the Hurricanes. But Fair also enough. the Islanders, the Capitals, you know they're always dangerous. The Vegas yeah, Golden Knights Colorado Avalanche, uh, the Predators are always a wild card. Mm-hmm. Who knows how they end up doing? The the Blackhawks they should be should be back in the picture a little bit. They have um one of the best goalies in the league right now. Traded him from uh, Vegas, and um also the St. Louis Blues since you know. They won in 2019. Three years ago. Yeah. Three years ago. Because the Lightning went back-to-back. They were the one before the Lightning. Now, yeah. Lightning being back-to-back champions, do you have any concerns about what you saw tonight? Because I do know we both were very aware. They got blown out by the Penguins, who were depleted, especially on the offense. They didn't have Crosby, and they're missing two other forwards. Does that concern you? Did they give up six goals and lost 6-2? Um. It can not really concerning me since three of those goals were empty netters. Okay. What really concerns me is um the hangover, because this would be you know the first time that they really have a playoff in a regular you know regular environment. Because yeah, last season you know the beginning of the playoffs 
a lot of these teams they didn't really have fans in the, in the stadiums yeah. and um besides a handful selection of teams they didn't have full capacity i know um the first couple rounds they were played in canada they still didn't have any fans and the entire 2020 playoffs it was in a bubble in canada so that's yeah. what I want to watch out for if I were them. And also the fact that they're playing their actual hockey schedule this season instead of playing the same, you know, six teams that they did last season. They're That's actually going to have to go places, play teams like the um, Avalanche, the the Knights, and not just play what, what I thought was a pretty easy division to me. Yeah, and I mean, we, we saw, especially with the NBA, after their bubble, how deceiving it can be for how good or bad teams are because of what we saw from, like, Miami, per se, and uh, and a little bit of what we saw from the Suns was a little more than they what they're actually capable of, even though the Suns did up had a good year the next year. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what it's like when it's a regular thing. Um but yeah, I, I I really don't follow in the off season that much. I probably should more than I do. It's 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 definitely the least involved sport I'm in that's popular in America. I watch soccer and keep up with soccer more, European soccer, than I do the NHL. But yeah, we'll we'll try to keep up with it a little more, and we'll keep tabs on all this stuff coming up this year. But uh, yeah, we we are gonna we are gonna side with the Hurricanes, though. I believe as a podcast, so. Uh, we also have the, uh, the NBA coming up since October every year, dude. I love it. This is, this is such a good time to be a fan of sports. Yep, NBA gonna... starts next week. It we does. Nets uh, versus Bucks start off yeah. the season. Yeah. And, uh, well, besides the actual on the court stuff, cause we'll talk about that when it comes next week, um, off the court, um, the Ben, ben Simmons is, seems to be returning. As to the 76ers and seems like he's going to play at least for a little bit. Yeah, um, apparently he just walked walked in the arena and no one knew he was going to be there. After after all he did, he dares freaking. Oh shit! It's going to be bad for him. Home well, and away. Regardless of all all you know whatever, every player that's in there, majority of them are probably glad he's there because. Regardless of what we say about him. The 76ers are worse with him off the court as a team. When They're worse yeah. with him not playing. I do think he adds a lot of positive things. I just don't think you could run your team through him like they try to do because him and Joel Embiid do not coexist well on a basketball court. But I do think it's better, it's better for him, it's better for the 76ers, it's better for everybody if he suits up, plays, looks decent, and it's not the last thing everybody saw of him, the last thing on GM's mind when they were trading for him, is that the the absolute pussy moments he had in the playoffs, like passing up a layup while the only person near him is Trey Young. Like, Yeah, it, it will be awkward for the team, though, after all that came out and how sure. they wanted to fly to his location, and then he told them not to – Things like that. He hasn't communicated with the team all summer or talked to Joel Embiid. And also, it, in Philadelphia, you know how the fans are in Philadelphia. You know how crazy they are. Eagles, Sixers, all that. They're yeah. going to boo the shit out of him every home game. 
Yeah, and he seems very sensitive, and he's not going to like it. He's not going to like it at all. He is very sensitive. We can all tell. That's, it's very apparent. That's going to be a problem. Ben Simmons is quite sensitive when it comes to how people treat him because up until this playoff, he was wildly overrated, and everyone loved him. And everyone acted like he is this this superstar, and uh, and he can do all these special things. And up until those playoffs, and me being someone that I've never been super high on, I've been super high on since after his rookie year. I don't know about you exactly, because before this, we didn't really talk about Ben Simmons much. But it, I, I, I did see it coming. And I, I, I didn't see him being this sensitive, though. He is extremely sensitive. Uh, talking about sensitive... Uh, let's talk about Kyrie Irving, who is quite possibly the most sensitive man that the NBA has ever seen. Um, not, e- not even talking about the COVID thing, just in general. He is quite sensitive, him and Kevin Durant. Well, uh, what happened to Kyrie, man? He used to be so likable, and then he won a ring, and then he left LeBron, and all of a sudden since then it seems to me that he's grown pretty big ego. He, he's too woke. That's the problem. He's far. T- he's both. He's but also he's he's both the most wokest and 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 close-minded person that I think I've ever seen. Because like if you hear him talk about like things going on in the world and stuff like that, he sounds so intelligent and in how much he like understands like problems going on in the world and how things want to be fixed and how he talks about you know how he talks about uh, black culture and you know, things that he would like to change in America. And it, it's very positive and it sounds good. And then he then he you know, thinks the earth's flat. And I don't understand this guy. It feels like a joke. It all feels like a giant joke. And him taking off games all the time and just not showing up and being like, yeah, I just can't be here for a little bit. And it's not like he has a regular job where he has like, you know, he's like, oh, I need personal time for a lot just because I'm having like a, a bad day. Like, dog, you get played millions of dollars to play basketball, a game. Like, you're having a bad day. I mean, like, if you're having a bad, you know, like, just a shitty day, you got you to gotta go to work. I'm sorry. If you got yeah, a game that night, you got to go. It's two hours. You play for yeah, fucking two now, hours. Now he can't even play with the team or anything. He can't practice with the team, can't travel with the team, can't be with the team. Until he gets the vaccine just because of, you know, New York laws and all of that. And even if they did let him play, he wouldn't be able to play home games, stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, don't, so I don't understand. I, I, think, I think Kyrie's probably, I think he's too proud of a person to, you know, I think he he might reti- retire before he gets the vaccine, but that's just me. Yeah, he's not going to do like Andrew Wiggins because Andrew Wiggins talked to his teammates and he decided the best thing for everyone around me was for me to just go ahead and get it done, regardless of how I feel about it. You know, I may be in my concerns, but this is bigger and more important than just me and how my feelings. And, you know, I'm all for everybody's right to choose and they should be able to choose. And the New York law sucks. It's like it sucked in California. And, you know, I mean, I'm vaccinated, you're vaccinated, and it's whatever. And, I mean, that's everybody's choice. If you don't want to, as long as you have a decent reason and it's not, you know, the government's trying to kill me, whatever, fine. <laughs> uh, 
hit, but he hasn't even had, uh, I don't know for sure. Cause I'm not there with him and I don't talk to Kyrie Irving. We are not friends, but I can imagine that he's even considered even getting it. Like when he made up his mind and then they told him, sorry, you just won't play. He's like, okay, I don't give a shit. Fine. And I'm sure Kevin's been like Kevin Durant and LaMarcus Aldridge and who, and uh, Blake Griffin have all been like, Hey man, you know, like I know you don't really want to, but we, you know, we need you to play and, you know, but we, we want you to make whatever decision you want. They're trying to be nice and polite, but I imagine he's just like, nah, I'm good. Thanks though. Like, it's just, I, I, I can't, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's weird. He is one of the more befuddling players in, in the NBA. I don't, I don't know what to do with him. Yeah. I think he's going to stand by whatever the hell he's doing right now, whatever his opinion is and um, ultimately hurt his team at the end of the day. He's hard enough to not play the whole year. 100%. Yeah, he's yeah, and he's gonna lose the whole paycheck. I don't really think he needs. I don't think he cares. Yeah, I don't think he needs the money or really cares about the money as much as you know Andrew Wiggins would. Yeah, I I don't know. I just never really, I've never really understood. I don't. I haven't really understood his his thing. He's very, 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 very hard headed, and. I, I don't know. I just don't know what to do with him. I don't know everything about the situation. And, you know, I've tried to read up and keep up with it. I just, but uh, yeah, he's, he, how, he's like, he's like that Arthur meme where DW's reading a book, and then she's like, "I'm not not going to do this because I can't read." That's pretty much Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I, saw, I did see. This is this was probably the most the most the funniest thing I saw about it. There was a doctor on TikTok, which I know, I know that's that's kind of a cringy thing for me to bring up, but he he said, you know, it it, it blows his mind that can you imagine as an athlete, if a regular person like us, like we do, was telling you what to do and how what you were doing was wrong, even though you've been doing this your entire life, and then doctors told them that this is okay, and and they're they know what it's like to be told this BS like. You know, you should do this, that, and the other, even though you definitely know what you're doing. Like me telling Kevin Durant when to shoot should never happen. Just like, <laughs> just like us telling doctors, you're this doesn't work or something. Uh, you know what I mean? Like he thought, I thought it was pretty funny because he was like, they get it. So why don't they get it? Because they've been through the same thing, but why don't they get it? I don't know. I thought that was funny, but. We don't. We try not to get too. We're not going to get too political about it. How we feel about it. It is what it is. Everybody does what they want to do. Nothing we can do really changes anybody's life. This is a sports podcast. So, yep. Um, speaking of that, uh, we'll do we'll do some NBA preview. Uh, we might do an extra episode or something since we're starting to get more and more sports and spread it out a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, we're uh, we're gonna move on to the weekend in college football. Man, I would like to start. What a weekend! With, uh, what a fucking weekend! What a fucking yeah. weekend, dude! Let's, let's start with the, seen, the big giant I've getting cut down. Yeah, this is Alabama losing to Texas A&M, the same Texas A&M team that scored ten points against Colorado, ten points yeah. against Arkansas, and just lost at home to Mississippi State. Yeah, 
and beat Alabama, the number one team. This is the first number one team to lose to an unranked team since 2008. This is Alabama's first time losing to an unranked team since 2007. Yes, that same 2007 season that I keep comparing this season to. And also the first time Nick Saban has lost to an assistant coach after last week we heard it about it a million times. Oh, Jimbo. Old Jimbo got his ass. Jimbo would be the first one to do it. It, it makes the most sense. Um, what was crazy about this game, you know when you watch, when every time Alabama's ever been like scared by a team, you start to feel the comeback coming. And every time right. I started to feel it coming, Texas A&M absolutely slammed the door in their face and said, nah, not tonight. We're going to keep it going. The 12th man helped a lot. The fans were wild. Yeah, especially what? when um, Alabama had that blocked uh, punt, I believe, for a touchdown to make it a seven-point game. And then A-Chain, what fucking speed he had, dude. Like, yeah. The, the, la- the last, I'd say, like 60 yards, there was no Alabama player near him. That was incredible. Yeah, you mean, because I mean, like that's the moment, like when that block punt happened, everyone who's ever watched college football, anyone who knows anything about football was like, Oh, Alabama's going to win this game. They're coming back. That block punt is it. All the momentum's gone. And then that dude ran that and they kick off back. He put on the afterburners, and it was done. Did you know at halftime, you could like that Alabama plus like 150. I I know there are so many people out there that live bet Alabama to win. Yeah, I mean, I – I was watching the game. I was just like waiting for it to happen, and it just never came. And I, this is what concerns me about the the overwhelming, uh, like confidence in Georgia, is that this is college football, and anyone can be beat. And because Alabama has looked invincible this year so far. Okay, because Georgia did have a close game with Clemson. Yes, beside the Florida game. But they have looked clearly the better team in every game they play. They looked better than Florida in that game by a lot. And that was a road game, too, in a very, very tough environment. So this shows me that especially this season, the way things have gone, anyone can be beat and that no one's – not even Cincinnati, the rest of their season is certain. Because A&M was down – and out there in their backup quarterback, and he has looked like ass. And that man played out of his mind Saturday. Dude, he played excellent. Calzada was an absolute beast in that game. Yeah, where the hell was all that accuracy like three games ago? Yeah, the touchdown he threw, after he came out of the game, didn't he? And then come back in. He came out the game, and he came back in. They were down by seven. Yeah, and, and threw that down the dime, threw that dime in the end zone while getting speared, absolutely speared in the pocket. I don't know what that was, what any of that was. Calzada had an out of body experience the whole afternoon, um, but I mean, it took it takes that to beat these guys, but it will it, it happens, you know. And the 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 crazy thing to me though is uh, with the AP poll now, Alabama should drop farther than five. Is you lost to a three and two team, regardless of whether it was on the road, 
you should drop farther than five. That's just me. Because, like, how far did Ohio State drop when they lost to Oregon? But 11, um, 12? No, they dropped from, they dropped like six spots, I think. From they, like they dropped gone. from the top three. They were like borderline top 10 after, and they were like number two in the country. No, were they, they, were, they, they were number three, and they dropped to number 11, I think. Yeah. So they were number three, and they had a better loss because they lost to a well, they lost at home, but they lost to a better Oregon team, far better than Texas A&M. And oh yeah, and Alabama in this game looked like the worst team. Most of Texas A&M controlled this game for the most of the game, like other than until Alabama took the lead at the end and then A&M come back or whatever. They, I mean, A&M controlled most of this game. And yeah, I thought that this was very – Alabama should drop farther than five to me. Yeah, and uh, just a little fun fact. Last weekend was Jim Jimbo Fisher's birthday weekend. Mm. They they win 41-38. Um, and also last season during Jimbo's um, birthday weekend, that was the same week they beat – Florida forty-one to thirty-eight on the last second field goal at home. So we've got to look out for his birthday, evidently. Yep, and also in the SEC, we had Ole Miss and Arkansas have pretty holy shit. There were two freaking good ass games going on at the same time. Yeah, two shootouts going on at the same time. We can talk about Ole Miss and Arkansas first. Matt Corral, oh man. That deep ball that he threw late in the game, I, I, yeah. I keep rewatching it. It's such a beautiful ball. Yeah, I hate that that he got put in such a bad position against Georgia that he had like they knew the the, the pass was coming uh, the rest of that game after they got down because when when they can mix it up and he gets to like run a real offense, that dude that dude is something else, and that he has quite the arm and he his throwing talent is he he's got the best throwing talent that i've seen so far this year i mean no i like that 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 was a 50 yard pass in the air that landed right in the bread basket that, i mean that was beautiful and i mean I, I think he's easily got the best arm talent that i've seen in college football this year mm-hmm. uh, i i'd say there are some other guys but that's you I mean, who else we put there? I mean, Carson Strong's got good arm talent. He's been, he's been yeah, good. For me, it's pretty much just Carson Strong. They can compete with him arm talent wise. Yeah, because I mean, Malik Willis has got a different type of package. Like he can throw, but what makes yeah. Malik Willis special is his ability to get out of the pocket and run and make plays. Like you know, he's yeah, similar and to Trey Lance. Yeah, Trey Lance. Yeah, he's accurate. He's more of a, you know, like a Russell Wilson type player because he can run, but he, you know. He also is an accurate guy, but hey, Matt Corral, Matt Corral is actually pretty pretty fast himself too, and can run the ball. So I'm interested yeah. to see. Also, he feels like if Daniel Jones had a really big arm, because <laughs> Daniel Jones can fast run. as Daniel Jones. Yeah, I don't think he's as fast as Daniel Jones. No, he's not as fast. Daniel Jones is one of the fastest quarterbacks in the NFL, which is really crazy. He is like fast as hell, yeah, and he's he's big too. Yeah, Daniel Jones is super athletic. Uh, we'll talk about Daniel Jones in a little bit, though. And his, uh, his, he had a rough day Sunday too. But 
All right. Uh, the, the other 12, 12 p.m. shootout. Jesus oh, Christ. Well, I, don't want, I don't even want to talk about this game, dude. Well, actually, I do want to talk about something. The fact that 100% me and you are we're absolutely right. Spencer Rattler is fucking terrible. He is not a good quarterback. He's just he's just not. He's absolutely just not. And I'm glad he got benched. And I hope he doesn't play the rest of the year. Well, I'm I'm not I'm not real glad he got benched in that game specifically. Yes, but, true. Um, fair. Yeah, it's 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 insane that these these teams, you know, Oklahoma, Alabama, Ohio State, they can have fantastic freaking backup quarterbacks that just come in the game, and um, yeah. the the next game because you know we're gonna skip over Oklahoma and Texas. You know, well, I, I, you know I, I want to talk about the fact you know me and you both had money on this game, but I you I had a twelve team parlay. 12 games where I had Texas money line and I hit every other game, including Northern Illinois first half money line that I don't know why I put on there and they happened to cover it. And I lost because Texas couldn't hold a 20 point lead and got sliced up by a backup quarterback. And it feels weird to say backup quarterback. He is still a five-star like backup quarterback. He's elite. Five-star, like number two in the country, huge arm, and he can run. Yeah, absolutely should be the starter now. Played his ass off. He was great. But, I mean, Texas' offense also stopped scoring. So, I don't. Yeah, that that's because they didn't decide to. They didn't get um, the ball to Bajon. And when they did, he got stuffed and – um. There was, when they threw the ball, they couldn't they couldn't pass block anymore because Thompson was getting hit like as soon as the ball was snapped. To me, it felt, half. it felt like the second half there was no creativity. It was extremely predictable. It was like, oh, we're gonna run it right up the middle with Bajan Robinson, or we're gonna you know run you know short passes and like or like we're gonna try to throw deep ball with Kate Thompson. But it was like over and over and over. It felt like the same thing. And yeah, and. And then the special teams fumble. That was a real bad beat. God, yeah, dude. I don't. Oklahoma I, has all a, the momentum. They tie the game, and then they get the ball back. This That's, is one of those games where, like, everyone who bet on Texas had it right. It just didn't work out that way. Yeah, especially the Texas plus three and a half. Yeah, oh, I mean, prayers. It out. was it was right. Everyone that thought Texas would win this game was right. But it's a you cannot predict. Spencer Rattler getting benched. Never did I think he would get benched in the middle of a game. I think I brought up that he might during the middle at some point this year he might get sat down. But in the middle of a game against Texas in the Red River rivalry, getting benched, I could have never saw, never predicted. I don't think anyone could. And it's quite and you know what the same thing happened last season. He got benched during the Texas game and they ended up coming back and winning. Should have seen him coming. So he shouldn't. So did, it, me and you, but I'm sure me and you agree on this. He shouldn't be the starter anymore, right? Yeah, absolutely. His um, his draft stock is pretty much all the way down. He can yeah. transfer. He's he's going to be a transfer. If he gets benched, he's going to transfer, right? Yeah, he's probably going to transfer or try to take his luck with the draft just because he was. 
really highly rated so high okay well so normally transfers go to like ohio state uh cj stroud's not going anywhere so he's not going to go there um anthony brown is he a junior at oregon no he's like a super senior and they have a really good uh quarterback um underneath him okay um and jt daniels is a junior or senior uh, I think he's a junior. Okay, well, so if JT Daniels stays, I imagine he won't go there either. So then Spencer Rattler starts to be in a spot where none of the prime number one spots for these quarterbacks to go is going to be available. So I, I'm curious to see what he might do. Maybe Florida. Uh, if well, he, where, if where's he, he from? Is he from Texas? I have no idea where, where Spencer Rattler's from. I honestly, up till this this exact second, have never cared. But let's look up. He's from Arizona. Uh, I don't see him going to Arizona or Arizona State. I I can see Arizona State. I think uh, JT Daniels. Jaden Daniels. Um, Is he a senior? Yeah. I think he's a senior. Let's let's, let's look it up and find out. It's really funny that we're already projecting where he's going to go to because we're, we're definitely pretty sure he's not. He's not playing there anymore. Um, I, I'm not. I think he's. I don't think he's a senior. He's 20 years old. He he was a freshman. He's a junior. Yeah, he was a junior. So and he's not getting drafted right now. So he'll probably stay there another year. Well, then I, I imagine he'll go to a California school. I mean, Slovis might leave to the NFL and go to USC. Yeah, but um, the USC has a. A true freshman um, that played way better than Slovis this season, but uh, unfortunately got hurt. He needs to go uh, to Fresno State. Then. What if nobody wants him? Who's no, no one of the big schools gotta, want him? Uh, what's a what's a big school? Maybe he could um, revive Boston College. He's gonna. That was what I was gonna say. Is his only option really then is to pick a school that he's gonna have to fix uh like maybe ucla or um florida state <laughs> or uh i don't know something like that some a big school that needs like a a change at quarter he might go to a school that you know it's usually typically sucks at quarterback he might be wisconsin's fix for graham mertz no i i, I don't think he can really fit in with that offense because you know no, how i don't think so either the kind of offense oklahoma runs he, he probably has to go to a, a school that runs that similar like west coast type of yeah, offense yeah I, I also think he's well, used to speaking, warm weather speaking of west coast offense how about mississippi state go play for mac mike leach yeah that actually i mean that might be that might work we'll see we'll see um now we, we don't have to talk about it no more i don't talk about it no more uh the other big game this weekend we have penn state and iowa um i really i really felt bad for clifford watching this game because this was easily the best game he's played so far this year. So yeah, far, early in the uh, game, the the best against the best defense, Penn State was pretty much dro- uh, driving up and down the field. It was yeah. seventeen to three, and even though Clifford threw two picks at that point, uh, uh, P- Penn State was pretty much su- shutting out Iowa on um, offense. They yeah. were getting decent field position, and then um, after Clifford went out the game. Uh yeah, I was punter. Yeah, I, I was punter. Um, uh, 
fuck. I was finding a freaking um kept them deep in their own territory. So whenever yeah. they got the ball, it was at like the ten yard line. And they pretty much went three and out, gave Iowa's offense yeah. short field position, and that's pretty much how they won the game. That backup quarterback, after seeing what the fuck Caleb Williams did, and then seeing Penn State's backup quarterback play. Oh. There's a big gap there, um, and I'm, I'm very proud of you for getting there on your thought process there because you were lost for a second. I know how that feels. I'm proud of you. You got there, you struggled through it, and you, per- you persevered, unlike I, Penn State's quarterback this weekend because that dude is some ass. He is terrible. And, and, you know, the funny thing is that guy that they threw out there was their four-string quarterback last season back when Will Levis was their backup quarterback. You know what the real funniest part about it is? That guy is still better than Graham Mertz. <laughs> um, let's see how many yards he had. It's not a lot. It's, it's not pretty. I want to know, too. I'm looking it up. Let's look up the game summary. He was passing. He was seven. For 21, 34 passing yards, Jesus two interceptions. Christ, and he ran the seven, ball 10 times for 27 yards. Seven for 21. It's so bad. Like, you think you about it. the fourth so- down play where he had two open receivers and he threw the ball to the flats? Yes, I, I he, he was not ready for the moment. And, you know, part of it might be that. He might actually be a decent – comparable quarterback and he just wasn't ready for the moment and it was too big for him but that was god awful and the fact that if he is that bad the fact that he has a a college division high quality division one like scholarship is something else if he is if he is that bad now if that was just the moment was too big and he wasn't ready and that you know that completely is possible there's been a lot of guys it's happened to but that was really bad. Uh, but also the thing is the transfer portal, it's pretty much all these teams, they're not going to have backup, like starting caliber backup quarterbacks just because Fair. they're transfer portal. Like they go, they play somewhere else. You know, got speaking of Will Levis, 6-0 at Kentucky right now. Yeah, uh, I, I, think I, do he, think... I think he could have freaking balled out against Iowa last week if he was still on the team. Yeah, I think the other thing is, too, I think with the change where people can make money now, um, it makes it where guys starting to look at being a backup differently and waiting to turn. Because it's either I can be a backup here, and you know I'm not going to make any money, and this guy starting over me is getting deals with local places to eat, and, you know, restaurants, and Nike's calling him, and you know, yada, 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 playing all these big schools. When, like in Will Levy's situation, I can leave. I can go to Kentucky, uh, which is an SEC school. And, you know, sometimes they're on the downturn, but they're still a big school and they get big crowds and they have a big student section. And the people there care about football. And if I ball out here, I can make money now. I might not make it to the NFL because I'm playing at Kentucky, but, like, I can make money, you know, and I can start right now. And I wonder how much this might change recruiting for a lot of schools because guys are going to look at that, especially once they get somewhere and ride the pine and watch a starting quarterback rake in deals, and he's got brand-new shoes on all the time, and he's got brand-new clothes, and he gets to eat out and do whatever he wants all the time, where 
you know, say there's some five star quarterback, you know, that doesn't his family doesn't have a lot of money and he's sitting there on the bench. I'm going somewhere else, you know. So we'll hey, see how much on. that actually affects. Come on, all, all that's assuming that that didn't already happen behind the scenes anyway. But if Besides, you know it's coming, like if you, I'm talking about just the purely that yes, okay. I'm assuming there's lots of shady shit that happens behind behind closed doors, but how much of that happens? Like, how, you're not gonna get any deals as the backup quarterback. You're not. You're not getting any endorsement deals. Yeah. And right well, now, that's what these guys I, I want. I don't really. I don't. I, I don't really think um, Sean Clifford's getting. I, he, I guarantee you he is at Penn State. He's getting local stuff near the school. Yeah, local stuff, but he's not getting car dealership deals like Spencer Rattler is. He's he's making money. I promise you, he's making money. He's making he's making more money than me and you. I promise I, you, he's I, making I, more I, money than me and you. Well, he does have his own brand. Yeah, so I mean, Sean, I mean, I'm talking about Sean Clifford, like at Penn State. He's making. He, I'm guarantee he's making more than we are. I don't know if he has his own brand too. I highly doubt it. I don't know who endorsed the Sean Clifford brand, but sorry, it's kind of a low shot on Clifford. He has his own T-shirts and hoodies and stuff. Well, there you go. And I'm sure he's making money off of it for Penn State students. Yeah, definitely more than freaking students. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I yeah I, I don't know. We'll see how it affects. Um, next, we got uh, so Cincinnati did their thing again, and because of all these things that happened, um, they're now number three. And I'm I'm happy that now we they're getting the respect that, that UCF should have gotten be, yeah. because they went undefeated. Now they're, this would be the second year in a row, and yeah, but I'm the, very this happy. Is also, this is also like the perfect season because you know the second season that UCF went undefeated that was the same year that um, Ohio State I think they lost to Iowa and still got in the playoffs despite not winning yeah. the Big Ten. Yeah, and on top of that, this is it happened early enough in the year where if Cincinnati wins the rest of their games, regardless of it, they're going to be there. As long as we haven't seen the playoff poll yet, because the playoff poll sometimes is different from the coaches' poll and the AP poll and all that. But very, very, uh, very biased. Yeah, so we'll see how that turns out. But it's encouraging that Cincinnati's this far up right now, and it's deserved. And I, I, I do think a lot of it is comes down to the fact that Cincinnati doesn't just win their games. They tend to dominate everyone that they play that's less than them. Yeah, Usually. and they, they, they even dom- they pretty much dominated Notre Dame. And the thing yes. is, they, they, they have one of the best defenses in the country, one of the best secondaries in the country especially. Yeah, they got, uh, what's his name, Sauce in the secondary? They call him Sauce? Yeah. That dude is a, that dude is an animal. I'm pretty sure he's one of the top safeties in the uh, in the draft. I can't remember, or he's a corner. I can't remember what's his actual first name. It's, uh, it's uh, Ahmad Gardner. They call him Sauce Gardner. That dude is an animal, and uh, yeah, I think Cincinnati they they deserve to be there. And you know, me and you have been on the Cincinnati train since last year, um, and I'm glad they're there. And I hope they don't slip up because, like I said before, with Alabama, you know, this can happen any week. And yeah. I really hope it doesn't happen to them. Because, but the good news is that, that Ritter is 
he is a veteran for as college goes. He's been there. Most of their secondary has been there. Um, they've got experience across the board, and I, I hopefully that means that they won't make that kind of slip up. Yeah, they also have a really good head coach, and uh, yeah. also the experience of playing Georgia last season, and you know how the game went. Cincinnati was up most of the game, and yeah. so I think it was like a really bad uh, fourth down play gave them the ball back kicked the game winning field goal but um i think that was really really good motivation for them motivated yeah. some of the guys to not go out in the draft and stay another year yeah and so so my question for you is are would they they are do they have a chance to beat bama and georgia Yes, because I think they're different than a lot of these, you know, group of five teams, you know, like Houston, like UCF, in that the fact that they have a very elite defense. And yeah, they're like, they're a lot like Iowa's defense where they're optimistic when it comes to the turnovers. Yeah, their defense can change and control games. And like Iowa and Georgia, Georgia's defense can control and win games when the offense isn't going. Iowa's defense can do the same thing. They did that against Maryland. Iowa's defense won that game and controlled that game. And I think Cincinnati controlled Notre Dame on defense and made it where Notre Dame, like, they had no choice but to lose that game. Like, there was no other, like, there's no other, like, they don't give teams an option. And that's also why a lot of times they're, they're upset proof when it comes to the way that they're built because of how good their defense is. Because that year that UCF went undefeated, they were a lot of almost upsets because they were having to score 40 points to eke by Memphis or somebody. And and it was all on Mackenzie Milton playing out of his mind. And uh, what is that, Brashad Perryman when he was there? So uh, Brashad uh, Perryman with Blake Bortles. Oh yeah, that was Blake Bortles, and then the year after that was Mackenzie Milton and somebody else at UCF. They had another good receiver, but no. The, the uh, year after that, they went like one. No, the year after that, they went completely defeated. They didn't win a single game. And then when Scott was the Mackenzie Milton everything. year? Uh, it was the Scott Frost year, twenty eighteen or nineteen. I think it was twenty eighteen. The 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 same year that. Alabama and Georgia played in the Natty. That's the year. I think it was 18. That was the Milton year. Regardless, though, uh, yeah, I do think Cincinnati's different. I think they can compete, and I think that right now, honestly, they might be a better whole team than Alabama uh, because of Alabama's hit or miss issues on defense sometimes. Because uh, and. I don't know if you've noticed, but Alabama's like playmakers, their receivers are extremely inconsistent. And yeah, Bryce Young drop, drop a lot of balls. On yeah, Bryce Young has to do a lot, and their running backs have to do a lot. And usually, like Alabama receivers, make their the quarterback's job a lot easier. And that's a lot of time where they look better than they should when it comes draft time. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it pans out. But I, I, I really do like. Like Cincinnati, we like what they've got going, and I think they should be here, deserve to be here, and will compete for in the playoff if they get there. 
So, um, also, probably the biggest surprise on the undefeated board left, we've got uh, Kentucky. We talked about them for a minute when we talked about Will Levis. Uh, another good win this week. Uh, they play, it was LSU, correct? Yep, it was LSU, a home yeah. game. Yeah, they pretty much shut out LSU most of the game. It was, I think it yeah. was 24 nothing at one point. They gave LSU a really, really tough time. And, you know, going into this game, we talked about it the week before. Like, this felt almost like it was uh, like it was time for Kentucky's thing to come to an end because they've had these close games yeah. with Chattanooga. And, you know, uh, I think they did they have a close on Mississippi State. Uh, or somebody I'm not else. sure. I, I know they had a really close one with Florida. That's what it is, Florida, yeah. And, then, you know, they, but they beat Florida. So this felt like the one, like the letdown after they beat Florida. This felt like this was going to be the one that they get. And I, they came out and stomped LSU and embarrassed them. I mean, 42-21. to 21 as, And they were up 14-0 at halftime. And then 35-7 to 7 when the fourth quarter starts. Or 30, yeah, 35 to 28 to 7 with 28 to 7 when the fourth quarter starts is quite yeah. the beatdown. And I, uh, I was just, I was, I was impressed. I mean, and Will Levis didn't hardly hit throw the ball 14 for 17 for 145 yards, but he threw three touchdowns. He was efficient. Yeah, Rodriguez is a beast. Yeah, 16 for 147. The backup, uh, guard, I think he sometimes plays receiver too. Uh, Cavoisi Smoke. That guy, number one, amazing name. That's one of the coolest names in college football. And his name is Smoke for, for a damn good reason. That dude is elusive as hell. So I was impressed with, with Kentucky. And honestly, their game with Georgia this, this week is going to be a good game. Yeah, the, the one so. thing I'm worried about is this isn't Kentucky's first time being really, really good. This is their it's first true. time being 6-0, and oh, but – I think yeah. like two years ago in 2019, they were undefeated, I think, playing against Georgia. Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't go their way. They were shut out, but it was like a 17 nothing game, I think. So not too bad. And I think the, this team is much better, at least on offense. The crazy part about this upcoming game against Georgia is the rest of their schedule – is nowhere near as hard as what they've done so far. After Georgia, it's Mississippi State, Tennessee, and a bunch of very lackluster teams. It's Miss, it's Georgia, Mississippi State, Tennessee, and then if they get through that and they're undefeated, their last three games is Vanderbilt, New Mexico State, and Louisville. So if they beat Georgia this week, then we have to start talking about Kentucky. And I I don't know if we can – if what the committee can possibly even – if they can fathom how to handle Kentucky, Georgia, and Alabama, if Kentucky's the only undefeated one. And it would just – it honestly would make it so fun to watch them struggle to not put one of them in over them, even though Kentucky beat, is gonna, might beat Georgia. Like if they were well, to beat them. If, if be Kentucky hilarious. beat Georgia, they'd um, have the head-to-head victory. And what Kentucky has to do after that is not lose two games. Magic number is two. Oh, yeah. If they, lose, if they lose one game, they go to the SEC championship game, and they can, you know, bounce back, beat Alabama or, or whoever makes it out. So yeah. if they we don't Georgia, know yet they anymore. Just, 
their last three SEC games were against Mississippi State, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, yeah. that's a win. Mississippi State, I'm not so sure about that. That's a road game. And then Tennessee, they're playing a lot better, but they are Tennessee. Look, if they beat Georgia this week, I there's no way I can doubt that they beat those three teams if they happen to do that. There's I, I'd, I'd have to be all in, and then we'd have to start talking about who they're going to play at the SEC championship game. It just that's what it is. Yeah, they, they beat Georgia. You think they jump from number eleven to number one? Not the one, but they jump to the top five. Who's if they beat Georgia? Iowa's going to be number one. Yeah, probably. Iowa or Cincinnati, which is just it's it's. I love this so much. I really do love if they, but if they, I I told you, I told you, this is awesome. 2007, 2007. This was truly like the, some of the most fun I've had with how reckless that things have been this year. And I mean, we're coming up with this. So it's, it's coming down to, we're going to have some crucial games. So if Kentucky happens to pull off this, this weekend, okay, let's just say that happens. Then we've got to deal with either Michigan or Michigan State's going to be undefeated and beating the other one who will both be top 10 teams. And then we've got to deal with them. And, and we've they, got an undefeated they both, they both have to play Penn State and they both have to play Ohio State. Yes. And I don't think neither had to play Iowa. Yeah, Iowa pretty much doesn't have any tough games left. They play yeah. at Wisconsin and at Nebraska. Those are their toughest games. But they play Purdue, Northwestern, Minnesota, Illinois. Yeah, so we've got four All teams. We've got four Big Ten teams in the top ten that we have to figure out. And that, I, this is honestly – this is the one year where I would absolutely hate to be on the committee because until you see it, it all it, it all comes down to the conference championship games pretty much it's going to come down to the last week and, before and it's we a rare exactly who's in and it's a rare thing because usually going into it we know at least two or three yeah, and right now usually, go, usually going into it we know by like week t- week seven week eight you know alabama's in Clemson's in yeah i, I think so, so this is this is going to be a rare situation they're putting because other than Cincinnati, I don't think anyone left controls like like is like definitely in no matter like as long as you went out. I think Iowa, I guess, if they went out, but no, none of these teams like there's no way that all these all the Big Ten teams went out. There's no way that any of them went out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Michigan, Penn State, or Michigan State is probably going. One of them is going to beat two and lose to one. That's just going to happen. There, there's no way that one of them be other than the only thing that would cause the most chaos is if Penn State beat both Michigan and Michigan State would cause absolute true chaos that I would very much yeah, like to see. And then somehow they wind up losing to Ohio State. Yeah, or if Ohio State loses one, like the committee, you know they have a hard on for Ohio State. How do they treat Ohio State? And yeah. how do they treat Michigan State, who they had so low, if they just run through or they lose one, though? Do you put them over Ohio State if they lose – if they beat Ohio State but they lose to Michigan and they get blown out or something? Like, it, yeah, and there's going to be so much stuff in the Big Ten. Yeah, and also, how do you handle it if, you know, Ohio State loses to Michigan and 
Michigan loses to Michigan State and Michigan State loses two games and you have Michigan in the Big Ten Championship, but Michigan State has like one loss, stuff like that. It's, it's going to be pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I'm the Big Ten is going to be really, really weird. Honestly, more than likely what will happen is they'll all beat each other up so much that and then someone will beat Iowa in the championship game and they'll all get left out. That's probably the most likely thing that's going to happen, sadly. Uh, because, I mean, and there's still yeah, you, a possibility you, Iowa slips up. Yeah, you think Ohio State's going to win out? They're number six right now in the AP poll. I really don't think they do. I do think they have they have issues that we saw in the Oregon game. We saw their issues with stopping the run. Uh, and uh, Michigan is going to be the one where that's going to be the most – concerning uh because they haven't played re- they've dominated everyone else they've played since then but they haven't played yeah, any good teams they haven't they, they they played tulsa akron rutgers and maryland teams they were all terrible supposed to be they're terrible yeah. and none of them particularly run the ball well either so their big air like area that we were like oh man they they really have a hold there no one's addressed it again yet and it's going to be addressed because when they play, um, when they play Penn Michigan State, State in two weeks, and Michigan. but Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan can all run the ball. That is not good for one of those games. Someone's going to go for, especially the Michigan State Michigan games, like you were going to say. One yeah. of those games, those two running backs are are really really good, and one of those guys are going to go for two hundred, one hundred fifty, and change a game. So I, I don't know. I think they drop one. I think all of them drop one, and then it's whoever beats Iowa, or can beat Iowa. Uh, but I mean, really, and I looked at it again. Really, all Iowa's got left that is going to really compete with them, unless it's just something that we see coming out of the blue is Nebraska. Nebraska's the only team that competes with any of these teams. Yeah, pretty much. Because I mean, Purdue is not good. Wisconsin, we, we can all tell, is not good. They're just not good. <laughs> yeah. Graham Mertz is the quarterback. They're not good. Northwestern is really bad this year. Minnesota is just bad. I, and I know they're, they they're not good Yeah, Minnesota is too injured to be any good at this point in the yeah, season. It'll, they it'll might have been, fucking stinks. Yeah, but Minnesota might have been good if everybody stayed healthy, but they're not. They, they're missing their – they dropped some elite uh-huh. guys over the last couple of years, and it's very apparent that they're not that great. And – Illinois, and it's so Nebraska. It's at Nebraska, and that's the only yeah, thing at... Iowa has left. So we'll just I, I, we'll have to wait and see. But I'm very. I, it's going to be fun. It's going to be real fun. Just like I said, looking forward to how it shakes out. It'll probably come out nowhere near to anything we're possibly thinking of because we still got. I mean, if because you still got the SEC with them playing each other, and then you know, the Big Ten's crazy. The ACC's nowhere have... to be found. We don't have to worry about a Clemson this year. So there's no yeah. pencil-in team over have, here. We also have the Big 12. Oklahoma is still undefeated. Oklahoma yeah. State still undefeated. Yeah. Oh, and, and I mean, I, well, I, I say we don't have to worry about the ACC, but then how does the committee address an undefeated Wake Forest if that's still a thing? No, it, fuck it. Have you seen Wake Forest scheduled? The they're last... not good. They're, they're not, no, they haven't played anybody no. good, and they're not good. No, but, I, I'm talking about have you seen the, the end of their schedule? It is brutal. Brutal as in terms of what? 
brutal as in first they play army uh triple option team it's it's really weird whenever you're not used to stuff like that you know georgia tech doesn't do that anymore sure. then they they're gonna beat duke yes. then they play at carolina who then admittedly is very i don't know we don't know what carolina is because some weeks they're good some weeks they're terrible yeah, but they can still put points on the board. Yes, then they, they they play state, then they play at Clemson and at Boston College. Okay, but what I'm saying is, so we're talking about you know potentials with other teams. If Wake Forest comes out of that schedule undefeated, how do you deal with that? Because it's obvious that the ACC is below all the other Power Five. Teams. No fucking way you put them in. No fucking way. What if? Okay, even, even if it, the, the the schedule is tough for Wake Forest. But there's only one ranked team on that schedule. Okay. And it's entire and it's Big 12. Entire Big 12. One loss. You got a one loss Big 12 champion and a zero loss Wake Forest for number four. You've got to put in Wake Forest. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Then you're treating Wake Forest different than Clemson because of how, who Wake Forest is and who Clemson was. Well, it's obvious they do that anyway. Look what happened to TCU and Baylor that one year. They freaking had a 62-50 game, and they they both win the last game of the season by like 50, 60 points, and they dropped one because you, we all know what Ohio State did to Wisconsin and shit like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just I'm curious as to how they'll address it. I know how you feel about it, and I know, we've watched Wake Forest, and we know the eye test. They're not that great, and the eye test a lot of times seems to be the way that they barometer these things. But it's not just the eye test; it's the brand. It's all it's all about the brand. I get that, but I mean, I, I don't know, dude. It would be hell for them if like the four undefeated teams is Iowa. Cincinnati, Kentucky, and Wake Forest. <laughs> Can you imagine the hell they'd have to go through to try to convince themselves to that? Because th- that's the worst branding options they can have for a college football playoff. It's the worst. What if all these teams lose? All the undefeated teams just lose at least two games, except for Coastal Carolina. What's going to happen then? You got to put them in. You have to put them in. <laughs> You have to. They're, look, honestly, if Coastal goes undefeated and keeps beating the shit out of everybody, they should be in they're, over any one-loss team. They shouldn't. They won't be. They're beating the shit out of everyone. They won't be. They won't be put in over any one-loss team, but they should if they continue to beat the shit out of everybody because they are better than any other group of five team besides Cincinnati. They are far and away better than all of them. What, what I want is, you know, Cincinnati, they go to the playoffs, right? And then – yeah. You're just left with coastal fucking Carolina, and they're going to end up going to the Peach Bowl or something. That would be awesome. I would very much enjoy it if if somehow Cincinnati and Coastal was the last two teams left. <laughs> it would be the, the least watched. Co- it would either be the most or least watched championship game in the history of football because everyone would be like, okay, either I don't give a shit because it's Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina, or it would be like, this is what we've been waiting for forever <laughs> if you want or the it'll, other it'll be it'll be the most watched for you know college football fans like us but for like yeah. casual people that only really watch for you know their school or they see like a name they recognize like alabama or auburn or stuff like that yeah they probably won't 
turn it on. They're like, what the fuck's a Chanticleer? <laughs> I mean, dude, they're they're really good, and that team is better than any team in the ACC. <laughs> True. They are better than any team in the ACC, and not by a slim margin. That team would beat Clemson by 10 points. I, that's not even a joke. Coastal Carolina would beat Clemson by 10 points, and I, 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 I they deserve more. You, it, if any team, they tell any team they have a chance. If Coastal absolutely mollywops every team they play like they've been doing, other than the Buffalo game that was kind of close, and they're the only undefeated team. Let's say they're the only one left. I, I'd take them over whoever wins the Big 12. Because the Big 12, the rankings are stupid because half of them shouldn't have ever, ever been ranked at all. Baylor's awful. I mean, they're not a good team. Um, Oklahoma State, I really can't tell. I really don't think they're really good. And Texas is just gross. Just gross. I, Texas makes me sick. <laughs> The way that they do stuff, do stuff. I mean, you got that, and then who else is in the Big Twelve this ranked? Uh, I can't. How is Texas? Texas is twenty five this week. You know that that they stayed in the yeah. top twenty five after that absolute like swill that we had to watch. They still got Clemson um, getting votes to get in the top twenty five as well. Uh, they're number twenty seven yeah. technically, uh, but other big. It's just those two in the coaches poll. Yeah, I don't even know what that's about. I don't. I, the brand is getting old, dude. It's getting old that brands continue to dominate just because they're brands. Because it doesn't allow for the parity that college basketball gives us. And it, it is, it's sad that college football keeps doing this. Well, the problem with college football compared to college basketball is that the small teams don't play the little guys. And what... Usually, when they do, the little, the little guys beat them, and they don't want they don't want to do that. We we only get one group of five versus power five matchup in the bowl games every se- yeah. season. They, they don't get no they don't. representation at all. And it, and I don't understand why they think it's not going to make money. I don't understand it because the most watched, most loved, most replayed games that college basketball has to offer is when the little guys. Go up and beat Andre, beat the Giant, beat Goliath. That's what is it's it's loved, adored. It blows up the internet every single time, and we don't get it. Do you remember when App State beat Michigan? Like the amount of like co- the colossal, like overwhelming, like outpour from the college football like world. I was I was a kid. I was not even like super into football at the time, and even me, I was like, dude. This is great. Was that also in 2007? I believe it was 2006 or 2008. Nope, it was, two, it was that 2007 season, that fucking oh. season, where well, everything everything free, freaking turned upside down. Yeah, well, I, mean, I would love for that to happen, but that type of year. But, you know, things like that, we don't get that enough in college football. And I, I, I'm sad for it because Coastal could be that. And the App State team wasn't even that great, but Coastal Coastal can compete with elite teams. I don't think they'll beat Georgia or Alabama. You know, I don't right now. I don't think they will. But yeah, they're but better they're than any team in the ACC. Better job than Oklahoma is done every every time Oklahoma makes the goddamn playoffs. It pisses me off so much. You know, you know they're going to lose by twenty. Yeah, and not even that. Like right now, I, I don't. And I'm not saying I think Coastal would be undefeated in the Big Twelve. They might not be, but. 
they would look better than Oklahoma does right now in the Big 12. Yeah. Undefeated oh. or not, they would look better. So, I don't know. It's it's complicated to deal with. I think um, – well, well, now but, that Oklahoma has a quarterback, we might be dealing with the – different team in the weeks to come which yeah i don't know that's why i don't want to bet on oklahoma this week i don't know what to take from them so i'm gonna have to watch and we're gonna have to take a step back and reassess oklahoma this week because i i don't know if what happened last weekend was was that guy being that good or texas being texas because outside of the vince young era texas has completely and utterly collapsed so many times in so many big games that I don't know if it's just Texas. It's in the water or something. Their side of the Red River has got something going on. Yeah, but I I don't think we have to watch out for Oklahoma this week. They play TCU, a team that can't stop anyone. But I'm saying if, if if TCU, so like before this week, before, if, if, if since Rattler was still quarterback, I would still be thinking that TCU would compete with them in that game and they would look like shit the same way that Oklahoma has in every game this year, other than when they played Western Carolina. Ironically, I'm wearing a Western Carolina hat right now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but because of that and that being the history we've seen this year when Rattler starts, I would think this game this weekend would be bad. But now I don't know. If they go out there and they blow out TCU by 40, we're going to have to reassess how we feel about Oklahoma, me and you, because we've obviously been down in Oklahoma. Uh, I, I want to reassess. It's TCU's defense this season is really bad. I expect them to lose by at least 20, especially, I mean, if, especially if Kayla plays. If Rattler plays upside alert, maybe. I don't know. Oklahoma's the home team. If Rattler plays, yeah. they'll definitely be booing him. But the the thing, the issue is, so so we won't know then, I guess, until they play Oklahoma State. We won't know what to think of this team because the rest of their schedule until then is the bottom of the Big 12 outside of Baylor, but I think Baylor's a little more of a, oh, I, just I, a I think, good start. I think Iowa State can probably give Oklahoma a challenge. They always do, no matter how bad they are. Fair enough. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, you want to move on to NFL though? We do need to. I think we need to. We got a little. We got a little off in the. We got. We started dreaming of the college football chaos. And we got a little sidetracked. Um, but we did have a big weekend in NFL as well. Uh, we might go through some of the less exciting ones a little quicker. Um, we'll start with. Uh, we'll start with Panthers and Sam Darnold. Um, who I am. I hate the Panthers right now because this is another one where I had an eight team parlay. And I, the only game that I missed was the Panthers' money line against the Eagles. Um, and that's a very, very tough pill to swallow because it's several hundred dollars. But uh, from this game, after watching the Eagles play the Chiefs last week and watching them play this week, I can tell you the Panthers' defense is still legit. It is it is super good. Um, and that every time they play a team that doesn't have a top five or ten offense, they're going to dominate that that other team. Um, but Sam Darnold is only going to beat up on very shitty teams and then is going to look extremely mediocre against any type of decent team. And the Eagles are decent at best. And he looked terrible. Yeah, um, we should have known that D- 
Darius Slay had a child recently, and he was gonna ball out, have two picks. Well, <laughs> I didn't, re- I didn't, re- I didn't really expect this. I know Sam Darnold Dar- uh, is a turnover machine at times, but yeah. Panthers just pretty much controlled that game from start all until the fourth quarter. They couldn't really move on offense, but their defense was playing so well. But the interceptions and stuff like that gave the Eagles pretty good field position and some blown coverages, the blocked punt. Yeah. All the, all that changed the game and yeah. ultimately lost in the game. I wouldn't be I wouldn't really panic though yet, because this is really how the offense is probably gonna look like until McCaffrey is back. He's pretty much a cheat code. He's like a safety pin for any offense. Yeah, and I mean, the good thing for the Panthers is their next four games are mediocre teams because uh, they play the the Vikings, Giants, Falcons, and Pats. Um, and the first three defenses that I said are not very good. Uh, the Falcons and Giants especially have not played good this year. Vikings have been up and down. But so what I imagine is going to happen is Donald's going to lull us back to sleep in the fact that he's mediocre at – when he's when he's playing at his best, he's a he's a serviceable, solid quarterback. But most of the time, he's just mediocre, right? And he's going to lull us back to sleep against these these kind of bad defenses and play well. And then we're going to see him play the Patriots. Well, I don't know. I don't know what the Patriots' defense really is without Stephon Gilmore. We we don't really know yet without him full time and how they address that. But um, you know, but then the second half of the year is when he's going to get. He's going to have it rough. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Have you looked at their schedule, though, the Panthers? What their last four games are? Uh, let me see. I, I can tell you, it's at the Bills, then the Buccaneers, and then they're at the Saints, and then at the Buccaneers. If the Panthers do not already have nine wins by then, they will not have a winning record at the end of the year. <laughs> Yeah, probably, especially if McCaffrey's uh, hurt. Yeah, but the, right now, I mean, the, the, the Panthers are still going to have a good record because you think they play the Vikings this week. Vikings are okay. They could win or lose that game or whatever. They're going to play the Giants, who are likely still won't be healthy, so they should beat the Giants. They should beat the Falcons. should beat the Patriots. Then they've got Washington and Miami and the Falcons after they play the Cardinals. So that should be three more wins. Maybe they drop one. But that should be another seven wins right there. Unless and if they drop one to the Vikings, whatever. But they should win six other games. Yeah, and they add Stefan Gilmore after this week. After this week. Yeah. They add him to the Yeah, team. and I mean I mean he's he's definitely a big addition to a defense that's already likely a top top eight defense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So and arguably, and if Stephon Gilmore's there, arguably a top five. So we'll wait and see about the Panthers. I think the Eagles are just mediocre, and I don't feel any different about the Eagles this week. They're going to have their weeks where they play well, and they're going to have their weeks where they play like shit. And we're just going to have to wait and see. Um, next, who do we got? We got the, uh, the Bengals-Packers game. Dude, this honestly, honestly, if there was ever a game I've ever watched that deserved to be a tie, it was this one. Yeah. This game should have been a tie. Yeah, I fully expect them to just keep on missing field goals until someone someone decides to go for it on fourth down. 
I honestly thought the Packers were about, about to go for it on fourth and one, maybe get it a little bit closer. But um, Crosby, ice in his veins, short-term memory, he won the game for him. Ice in his veins, my ass, maybe because he's old as hell. I don't know. He's, I don't know, but he, the, the dude. He, he's a really consistently good kicker that had one game out of how many in how many years. He is a great kicker. But it, it, it didn't make me feel better when I, I don't know how to know. This is just psychological. It didn't make me, and I imagine any Packers fan, feel better. When he misses that field goal and then he takes off his helmet and his hair is gray, white, I just go, damn. He is old and missing these field goals. It might be time to hang it up. I don't know. It just it just felt uh, weird. He's, he's going to keep kicking until he's 40 like Vinatieri. But you know what I mean, though, with the feeling when you when he takes off his helmet after he misses field goals, and you're like, damn, his hair is white. And he's <laughs> it's I don't know, it was funny, but this was this was a hard game to watch. It really was. The yeah. most of the game was pretty exciting. And then the it was so, the last two minutes in overtime was so hard to watch. It really, really was. Yeah, Joe Burrow over got it. Times. Joe Burrow gotta do something because it seems to me he keeps finding himself in situations where he's getting hurt. Um, he after the game he had to go to the hospital for a throat contusion. I have to Google what the throat. Have to go what the throat contusion was. Yeah, he's got a yeah, bruise on his throat, basically deep in his throat, because he got poked in like the third quarter in the throat, and said he couldn't talk like the whole second half. He could barely talk. Uh, but yeah, he, we all also got to protect himself better. The that other thing that he took, I thought he, it was going to take him out for the season. Yeah, he. I don't know why he takes these big hits all the time. But the other thing with him uh, is he keeps finding like he shows like like a majority of the time that he is a good NFL quarterback, and then he shows me glimpses of very trash quarterback things. The pick he threw in overtime. That led to Mason Crosby's really short miss was an absolutely god awful interception. He hit Devondre Campbell in the numbers, and I don't know where he was throwing it to. I don't know who it was. They uh, like Herm Edwards, or I forgot the guy's name that does the analysis on NBC. I, I, I confuse him and Herm Edwards all the time. Tony Dungy. Uh, Tony Dungy. Yes, I confused him all the time. Uh, Tony Dungy said he thinks it was an option route that was uh, that they weren't on the same page. Regardless, awful. Shouldn't happen. That pe- that pick shouldn't happen, especially in that situation. So, I still don't know whether Joe Burrow is a, is a good quarterback or not. I think he's. I think he is a good quarterback, but he he has moments where he does terrible things. He honestly reminds me of Philip Rivers. That's who I would comp Joe Burrow to right now. Also, a similar type of team that has a a weird fan base. Play in a weird area, and historically really bad luck. So well, Joe Burrow might just be Philip Rivers. Well, did the Chargers have an indoor practice facility at the time? I don't think so. Well, I don't know why you all... have an indoor facility in San Diego. Why the hell not? You're an NFL team. You should have one. Bengals are the only team that don't don't have one still. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know what the Bengals got going on, dude. I don't. It was really weird though. They are a good team though. 
I will say I was I'm very surprised. The Bengals are the the Steelers are by far the worst team in that division by not a small margin. So I think the Bengals are definitely a, a good team and might even make the playoffs this year. I think they're ahead of where they were supposed to be, and that we all overhyped the offensive line thing going into the year. Um, I think they addressed it. But like I thought they they addressed it okay, and it's better than than it was to me. And I absolutely do not doubt the Jamar Chase pick anymore. The dude's legit. He's a legit wide receiver. He's a he's a wide receiver at one, and now they have two of them, arguably three, because Tyler Boyd is also really good. But T. Higgins is an animal, and Jamar Chase. So I I mean I like what they got going, and they got one of the best receiving cores in the NFL now. But so there's no excuses for Joe Burrow to make passes like that when he's got those three guys on the field. That's but we'll see. I think they're a good team though, and we'll see some more of them throughout the year. Uh Jaguars. Jaguars, Jaguars, Jaguars. I feel ashamed about my pick. I really do. I really thought the Titans were just down bad. And it, and you know, but then I I undervalued how dumb Urban Meyer is. <laughs> um, you know, the second James Robinson was destroying the Titans in the first half. In the second half, he barely touched the ball. Yeah, yeah. He gave the ball to Carlos Hyde for whatever reason. Yeah, he was one of the top five fantasy running backs in the NFL this this week, and he barely played the second half. He barely played the second half. He was torching. It would there would have been a combined four hundred rushing yards between him and Derrick Henry if they'd have both played the whole if they if he'd played the whole game. Um, yeah, I don't know. I still don't. I don't know. The Jaguars are bad. They're definitely bad. Uh, but the Titans definitely aren't good. That whole division is bad. Yeah, I, I honestly, I think the Colts are the best team in the division just because it's, they're the only one that has a resemblance of a freaking defense. The Titans yeah. don't have one. No, they don't. Uh, the Rush Jaguars defense has don't been bad. have one. Rush defense was what they were good at last year, and they're bad at this year, and they still can't stop the pass either. Because, yeah, I mean, the, the Falcons controlled the Jets this week, and the Jets last week – Zach Wilson looked really good against the Titans. That's yeah, a problem. Did. That's a problem that the Titans. I, I mean, it, it's. I don't know. I don't. I don't like anything they got going on. Whoever wins this division is is just like begging to be one shot out of the playoffs. Losing like, absolutely the wild card. Punted I'm, out I'm, of the playoffs. Unless, unless the Colts can go on a run. Uh yeah, this division is, this is one and done. We'll talk about the Colts later. We'll talk about what we what we got going on with them. Um, uh, we had the Buccaneers. Who did they play this week? It was very forgetful. Who did they play? The Dolphins. Uh, oh, the Dolphins. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, the Buccaneers are still great. I mean, they, the the Patriots game was just an anomaly, that being, being, being close. Um, passing game is ridiculous. Leonard Fournette has been playing a lot better. I think he's completely taking that job now. Uh, Ronald Jones is in the doghouse and he's probably going to stay there until, until Leonard Fournette fumbles and then they'll uh, switch him back out again because Bruce Arians no, they, they still have, Gio, they have Giovanni Bernard now to take Ronald Jones' carries. No, I'm talking about if if Leonard Fournette fumbles. Like, have you noticed it, 
Bruce Arians, if anyone fumbles, they automatically get switched out. And he's only using oh, yeah. Giovanni Bernard for third down passing. So he switches back and forth between Frenette and Jones, depending on who's fumbled last. And it's the funniest thing ever. As soon as they fumble, he gets really red and freaks out, and then they sit on the bench <laughs> the whole rest of the game. Um, and but they, don't even, they don't even really need to run the ball much. They have Tom yeah. Brady thrown for 400 yards and like five touchdowns. Yeah, and I think this was this was kind of predictable, and I think we talked about it before the year started a little bit. Uh, you know, every year there's a team that was in the playoffs the year before that obviously is going to have a downturn the, the, the following year and that, you know, we want them to take the next step, but they just go back, backwards. Dolphins are that team. Yeah, they uh, didn't even make the playoffs. They lost uh, – Oh, game, yeah. Like, who, who did they play last game of the season last year? I, think I don't remember. They they lost to the Bills' backups. And yeah, missed but the playoffs. The Dolphins were a, they weren't a playoff team, but they were a playoff team. You know what I mean? Like they were a good team last year. Um, yeah, it was all, it was all about the defense scoring a bunch of points. Yeah, and it's and it's very obvious that whether it's Jacoby Brissett or it's Tua Tagovailoa, they what? If I mess up his name, it's Tua Tagovailoa, isn't it? No, it's Tagovailoa. There was no N in that. It's Tua Tungavailoa. Whatever, man. I don't care. Whatever. He's a bum. It doesn't matter. He sucks. They both suck. They both stink. They they, they made a mistake this offseason not replacing quarterback. And I don't oh, understand. It's not their fault Deshaun Watson decided to go to the massage parlor a little too many times. What does that do with Dolphins? Because they were in, in the mix for a trade for Deshaun Watson in offseason and in the season. That's fair enough, I guess. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to. Yeah, but I, 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 I think this there's a real issues, and it's very obvious that the defense was so so dependent on turnovers that now that Xavier <laughs> Xavier Howard isn't having ten picks this year, obviously, <laughs> like, and that those two guys, him and Byron Jones, are still doing a good job. That's got to be the most frustrating part for those guys is that the top two wide receivers on every team they play do not have good days. It's always the third receiver. Whoever is guarding the slot, whoever's guarding the third receiver, whether it's Noah Igbenogany or uh, Nick Needham, I don't know which one it is. I don't know which ones are healthy. I don't know everything about the Dolphins. Antonio Brown absolutely torched whoever that was. And like that, that's ha- that seems to be a theme that either they can't stop the run or the, the tertiary receiver for whatever team is just giving them hell. So I, the Dolphins are bad. Buccaneers are good. That's really all this game was. Yep. And the uh, last um, early game that we're going to go over, uh, Lions and the Vikings. Oh, Pretty forgettable game until the end where somehow the Lions get the ball back. On a fumble, where all all the all the Vikings had to do was run the ball, yeah, and get a first down, and they fumble. Lions score, go for two, they get it, have a one point lead, thirty seconds left, and for like the first time ever, a Vikings kicker makes a game winning kick, and it just yeah, happens and- to happen against the Lions. Yeah, man, and I, I really felt bad for the Lions. I think they were. This would have been the second time this year a Vikings fumble ruined a game, because um, didn't Dalvin Cook fumble in the Cardinals game and it ruined their game? No, it was in the Bengals game. 
Bengals game, Bengals game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I just, uh, but yeah, I, I really felt bad for the Lions, and I think we all did afterwards. I will say though, and I think we've been saying it, Dan Campbell is the coach for this team, and there will be a breakthrough. And with, I don't know if it'll be, it won't be this year, but in the next two years, this Lions team is going to be a good team. It's going to be. I, I without a doubt, I believe that coaching matters, and caring and wanting to play for your coach matters. And I don't even I don't play for the Lions. I don't care about the Lions. Nothing like that. I would love to play. Like I couldn't. I would do anything for Dan Campbell if he was my coach. That dude is absolutely. He cares so much. He knows football. He loves football, and he loves every guy in the locker room. And the Lions are going in a good direction, regardless of how painful this was. Yeah, besides how painful pretty much the whole season has been. Yeah, I like they I, I were really... they were in every game at the end of the game except for maybe the the Packers game. But yeah, it's a, it's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. Yeah, I uh, I feel bad for them, but I I do think every Lions fan should feel good about the direction they're going because yeah. DeAndre Swift is good. And so is Jamal Williams. And they're learning about their receivers, trying to fill them out. Quintez Cephas is likely going to be a part of this team for multiple years. And so is Amon yeah, Ross St. Brown. He is out for – I think they just put him on IR. He is on IR. He has a minor – but the dude is good. He can play. And it's, yeah. it's very obvious that Amon Ross St. Brown can play as well. Uh, Tyrell Williams is going to be a short-term piece. But those guys are set, and DeAndre Swift is set. And – that they're they have and now they got a good left tackle, because um, um, Penay Sewell's been playing good, um, and you know they just have to address quarterback because Jared Goff's obviously not the uh, not the long term answer. Um, he's, yeah, he's mediocre. He's Jared Goff, uh, but the the defense is not bad. It's not. It's really not. It's it's weird. Is you know not not Jeff Okuda not working out, and their defense kind of being old. There it's not a bad defense. There are many. The Chiefs' defense is much worse than the Lions' defense. And it's much worse than a lot of defenses. Yeah, I can say that with one hundred percent certainty. So, you know, that's just. So, I think they're moving in the right direction. Afternoon games, which were a very, very up and down group of games. Very, very uh, exciting. Everyone was in the game in the fourth quarter. Were the Giants in that game in the fourth quarter? It was still a two-score game. I guess. The corpse um, of the Giants were there. Yeah. We can go to that one first. Um, yeah, honestly. Giant season, it's over. It's over. They're dead. They're dead. Like, well, I mean, well, the guys are going to come back. The, the, the players are damn near dead. Here's what I will say. I will say. It's Daniel Jones – Absolutely. I, I really thought, you know, if they didn't have a winning season, you'd have to be like, oh, we got to move on from Daniel Jones. He's not the problem. He's absolutely not the issue right now. With this Giants team, Daniel Jones is not the problem. He plays his, he plays hard. He is showed lots of improvements as a passer. He's not turning the ball over as much. He is he adds different things to your offense because he can run and he's been good throwing the ball this year. He's just he's got he's got bad luck. I don't know what to tell. he's got bad luck and the Giants have bad luck as well because like the the Barkley thing. I, I think it's apparent that Barkley has an injury issue. 
Like, it's not just that, you know, oh, this is a freak thing that happened. He has an injury problem. And that, that doesn't seem like – that's usually not something that goes away, you know. Not very rarely is it like Dalvin Cook, where Dalvin Cook has – he had like two ACL surgeries, and then all of a sudden he's fine. Oh, Dalvin Cook, he gets injured like every week, but well, it's always something minor. Yeah, he always tweaks his ankles or something. But usually you blow two ACLs, that's going to always happen. Saquon now looks like someone who's going to be constantly injury-prone where it's not just a tweak. It's a, I'm hurt, and I'm going to miss two, three weeks, or I'm going to miss a month, or I'm going to miss two months. And it's uh, – I don't know. But him, that sucked for them. And Daniel Jones got knocked the fuck out. Yeah, Dalvin, Dalvin Cook was out this week. I do know that. I do know that. But he, he usually plays – through his little ankle injuries. He usually he limps off the field about twice a game, and we're all freaked out. Yeah, he does. And then he comes back out and plays fine. Uh, but Daniel Jones got knocked the fuck out, dude. He looked, Him and Deontay Wilder were doing impressions of each other this weekend. Yeah, as a Duke fan, that was really hard to see. I mean, as if I was a Giants fan, I'd be proud that the man laid his ass out there and tried to get a touchdown for me, but he should have slid. Cause he got his ass creamed, dude. It was bad. He got. Yeah, I, th- I thought he was gonna score, but number fourteen freaking sprinted down the field like a freaking freight train. Jabril Cox hit him really, really hard, and and, I, and dude, when he got up, I was like, okay, he's fine. When he first got up, because it looked bad. He first got up, and then I thought he bit his his chin guard, and they said he had foam coming out of his mouth. I thought he bit it and was chewing like 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 the stuff that comes off like a. Uh, like some cloth or something that come off the chin guard. Um, uh-huh. And then when he started wobbling, I was genuinely concerned, just like everyone else, dude. That looks scary. You don't see that very often anymore. Uh, yeah, I, I felt bad for him. He'll be back in two, three weeks and be ready to play and be fine, I guess. Uh, I, I, Cowboys I, are good. Honestly, long term, if I was the Giants, i probably set him out longer since you know the season's pretty much done for you guys and yeah. once you get a concussion you're likely to get more you don't want to rush him back out there yeah i mean i could see that i do think though like if you if you look at the nfc like outside so you got the you got the cardinals You've got the Cardinals, Cowboys, Buccaneers, and Packers that are likely going to win their divisions. The 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 West might change with the Rams and stuff, but then after that, everyone else is kind of in the middle and mediocre. If the Giants, let's say they sneak out, who's their who's their next few games with Mike Glennon? The Rams, Panthers, Chiefs. Oh shit! Actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they're gonna be they're gonna be one and seven. So yeah, I would likely punt on the season as well, but. Uh, I think the the best thing you can take from this game, if you're the Giants, is Kadarius Tony was not a miss. As long as he stops trying to fight people and he doesn't do anything crazy in the off season, um, Kadarius Tony is one of the most dangerous people I've seen with the ball in his hands in the open field, not even in open field in the field period, because <laughs> that man is elusive as hell. I was very taken off guard by how elusive he is. Yeah, he was great when he played for Florida. I'm not sure why the Giants haven't really used him up until where they had to use him because everyone else is hurt. Yeah, but he, he's there now. 
he better not come out of the starting lineup because that the the one pat they did a they did a hook and he caught it with three guys three cowboys around him and he started juking before he caught it and made all of them look silly and it took off i was like holy shit and his route running is really nice he broke off trevon diggs once um on a nice uh like a zig route to the outside Dude, the dude is good. He reminds me of uh, he reminds me of LaShawn McCoy when he played for the Eagles. Remember that kind of that kind of shiftiness, like his jukes, like transport him to another area on the field. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I and I I, I think he's super exciting to watch. That's the best part. It took back from it. The other part is now you've got four receivers, and I one of them needs to go. Either Shepard, Slayton, or Galladay, because all three of them aren't healthy. None of them three are healthy. But it's apparent that Galladay doesn't work with what they're doing and they shouldn't have paid him all this money. And Shepard, when he's healthy, is is Jones' favorite target. And Slayton is the most inconsistent of all three of them. So, uh, to me, Slayton or Galladay, one of them's got to go. They either got to find a partner for one of those two, two to go. Um, and the defense needs a lot of work. They're not what they were last year. Uh, but the Cowboys, I was wrong. Cowboys are good. They're good. I was wrong. I'll admit it. They're a good team. They're a good team. Absolutely good team. Especially on offense. Top five offense in the NFL. Yeah. And their defense is getting better. It's it's getting there. It's good enough. I will say, though, the Trevon Diggs thing will not last. The interception a game thing. He's also on pace to give, all, to give up almost 1,200 yards this year. That he gives up a lot of yards because he's very aggressive and makes plays on the ball constantly. And that will work a lot of games, and he's going to make big plays. And it's going to be a lot like Marcus Peters was when he was with the Chiefs. That year that that defense was – it was it was opportunistic, but it wasn't great. You know what I mean? They still give a lot of yards and uh-huh. stuff, but they forced a lot of turnovers. It's a similar type of thing like that. But if I'm not mistaken, that team almost won the Super Bowl. So – this Dallas team is still dangerous, regardless of that. And I, I will admit I was 100% wrong. Yep, and we can quickly talk about the Browns and the Chargers. That was a four-quarter with, I believe, about 35 points scored. Everyone was open. <laughs> Except for Jared Cook. Yeah, and Everyone I thought Jared Cook. Yeah, I thought the team that had the ball last was going to drive down and win, uh, but yeah. um, Stefanski had some questionable play calling, you know, going deep on third and 10 and second and 10, stuff like that, also being slow down the field. But, man, the Chargers are definitely legit. Yeah, I, I thought both these teams were legit. And, honestly, this was the most surprising – because these two team defenses are good, and they've been playing good all year. And it also, they just forgot yeah, how to do anything. Yeah, the, the defenses were playing good until the fourth quarter. That's when every everything went wild. You know, the other thing, how often do we see a game with a 1,000 yards of combined offense? And it happened twice this weekend. Yeah, and neither quarterback had um, an interception. Yeah, they were dealing. And Baker came in hurt. He's hurt. Yeah. He's got a partially torn labrum, and uh, I, I, I was I was impressed with both teams. Um, they're both good teams, and but I, it worries me that both defenses are capable of giving up that many points. Uh, because up to this point, I thought both of them were great defenses. 
Uh, but maybe it might have just been a freak game. But it was fun to watch. I enjoyed it. I very much enjoyed watching that game. Yeah, it was um, very fun to watch. A game that wasn't fun to watch, though, is the Cardinals 49ers game. That game was boring as hell. Absolutely boring as hell. I don't know what that was. I was not expecting that. The um, 49ers, they're not very creative in their play calling with Trey Lance. And they they got him hurt. He has a sprained knee now. He's questionable for this week. Yeah, some of that's on him, though, dude. The way he runs, he runs dangerous. too many quarterback runs to like at a point you know it's coming and they're just gonna stop it and the, well, the I mean, goal line hit that he took i don't want my quarterback taking a hit like you should that. never take that hit same thing with like it that's that's the almost the same hit daniel jones took except his head just didn't bounce to the same way daniel jones just did that's really all that happened uh he's got to learn how to not take those because like Kyler murray and and Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson, any other quarterback that runs in the NFL, Russell Wilson doesn't do it as much anymore. They know how to not get knocked around. They know how to not get hit like that. And you, when was the last time you saw Lamar get cracked or Kyler get cracked? Hardly ever, if ever. Yeah. Uh, and Trey Lance is up there with that ability and running ability. He is fast and he is elusive. And he, he showed flashes of looking really good, but he's got to learn how to not take hits, dude. Or that or his career will not last very long at quarterback. Uh, but, yeah, Cardinals are still the best team in the NFL right now, I would say. Yeah. Because the defense being able to dominate like this on a day when the offense is bad is, is a good sign to me. Because we know this offense, what it's capable of. But no, winning a game defensively is a big deal for me. I think that it was good for them. Um, see, that's all the afternoon games I think we're going to talk about. Um, Sunday night. I Now, I was wrong on the Cowboys. I feel I'm absolutely right on what the Chiefs are right now. Would you agree that I've, I've, I've assessed the Chiefs pretty accurately so far? Yeah, they pretty much have to score 40 points to win. And yeah. even even if that they, – they need Tyree Kill to, you know, have more than a couple passes, yeah. uh, more than a couple, you know, short routes, stuff like that. They didn't really get Kelsey involved. Uh, Which is odd because they usually the, always the other, do. I... The other receivers aren't great. Hardman and Pringle, they definitely aren't great number two options. Hopefully for them, Josh Gordon can become that. He didn't really get yeah, much maybe. action, but that's understandable. But, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure you can fix a defense like that in the middle of the season, especially when most of it is just guys not making plays. Like Sorensen leaving guys wide open, like the Dawson Knox touchdown. I think at one point in the third quarter, Josh Josh Allen had nine completions for like 250 yards. Have you seen the the compilation of of screen cat screen stops where uh, Tyron Matthew has his hands up, mad at Daniel Swordson for letting somebody be wide open? I saw it on Twitter. Somebody compiled all the times it's happened. It's happened several times. Swordson should not be starting. 
Um, the other thing is though, why if if the Chiefs know that that's an issue and it's apparently it's very apparently they have been big played a lot this year. It's not like every time they're being nickel and dimed off the field, they are giving up huge plays constantly. Yeah, and why, it's always always Sorensen giving up those plays. It's not always Sorensen because why why is Sorensen in that position if it's obvious that that's not what he's good at? Why is Tyron Matthew not there? Why is Tyron Matt like I, I don't know as a from a game planning perspective if there is the way they're game planning it or you know a lot of times Tyron Matthew does free roam they give him free reign to do do his thing because he's like the quarterback of the defense or whatever I oh. think he's not where he's supposed to be and he's making mistakes too because you know yeah. usually the guy who's got his hands up like what the hell are you doing is usually the guy that was also supposed to be there and he's mad because the other guy didn't make up for his mistake. Uh. And it's not just their secondary. Um, they're not getting any pressure at all on any quarterbacks. Yeah, and they're not I, good against I, the run I, either. Yeah, I know they've been missing Frank Clark, and they didn't have Chris Jones for the Bills game. Yeah. But that that was still like Josh, Josh Allen had all of the time in the world. And he was running the wall. He had 50 rushing yards in the first quarter. Yeah. And on offense, the Chiefs, they don't have a rush game. Um, unfortunately for them, Edwards Lair has a sprained MCL. They, they got to good anyway. They got to do something different on offense, too. They got to get their running backs more involved. And maybe Patrick Mahomes, he needs to, you know, take a check down every once in a while. Yeah, I mean, and, and the other thing, that's the other thing as we were doing talk, talking about the defensive bunch. We can go ahead and. We don't really have to talk about it. The Bills are the the best team in the AFC. We don't really need to address that anymore. We're aware they're good, offense, defense, whatever. But the the Patrick Mahomes turnover thing, the Chiefs turnover thing, um, the first few weeks, it was like, okay, that'll pass. That pick six was really, really bad. That's not something he normally does, and that looks like a real issue that's going to continue to like compound if it's not seriously seriously addressed and i mean because i mean how many how many picks has he got on the year already he has six on the year and i think he had six all of last season yeah and you know he's thrown 16 touchdowns and he's thrown 1500 yards and that's all great and all but there's crucial moments game swinging moments where he's turning over the ball and that that's going to lose them game they had a chance to start their comeback after halftime when he threw that pick six and that yeah, absolutely and they, took it yeah, out and they they still had a chance um early in the fourth quarter when they had that interception they call, got called back but you know after that got called back you know it was pretty much over they weren't going to stop the bills yeah i just yeah i don't know i i think they got a serious problem i do i do somehow think i do think they'll they'll still be a playoff team uh, because of what they're capable of, especially against bad teams. But, I mean, if if I go through teams in the AFC, like right now, let's look at, I mean, they're not better than the Chargers. They're not better than the Ravens. They're not better than the Bills. Are they better than the Bengals right now? I, I'd say so. Are they better than the Browns? No. No. I mean, they're the really Browns, only... but the punter dropped the ball late in the game. They changed everything. 
So they're, they're really only saving grace right now is that the AFC is on the weaker end this year. To be honest, it is. It's on the weaker end of of total team talent. Uh, even though I'd say the Ravens, Browns, Chargers top of the AFC is just as strong as the top of the NFC. I, I wouldn't the really AFC say that because they still play right now in the toughest division in the AFC. And so far, they've only had one division game, and they still have a bunch of other games against the Broncos, who always play them tough. And the yeah, Raiders. we'll have to see how they compete in those. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, so if they, because the Raiders always play them well. If if the Raiders are the Raiders better than them, uh, no. healthy, healthy. Who 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 are the Raiders missing right now? Well, Josh Jacobs is playing hurt. Um, they've had some issues on off online, and now they're replacing their coach. So when I say healthy, fully fully like available, everyone fully one hundred percent, which I mean is hard to say because no one ever in the NFL is fully one hundred percent. No team is. Um, but I mean, right now, I don't I don't think that you can say without a doubt the Chiefs are better than any than any of the top half of the AFC to me. That's where I was going with that. I don't know how – I don't think – I mean, the AFC is weaker too. Because if we look at the NFC, they're, they're definitely not. They probably won't make the playoffs in the NFC. But in the AFC, like, I don't know. It's just I, – I, right now, the, the, the defense is a bad issue. They're on pace to be like the worst defense ever. Like ever. So, I don't know. I don't know, but I, I hate to say it. I, I was right. I was 100% right. I told you this week that Bills were going to blow them out. Yeah, I, I said if they got one or two stops in the game, they'd win it, and they, they, they obviously didn't get, they didn't <laughs> get, get any. any fucking stops. They didn't get any stops. I mean, they, they had trouble with Devin Singletary. <laughs> Devin, they barely even had to run the ball, and Devin Singletary, every time he touched it, was like, ding, 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 ding. And Zach Moss. Stephon Diggs would have had a touchdown if he didn't turn around to showboat. It swords. Yeah, I don't know what he was doing. But uh yeah. Uh now let's get to the the out of body experience that I had last night. Um Yeah, you, you can completely talk about this game. I'm just gonna say the the fucking Colts that that's a classic example of a coach losing you the game, pretty much. You know, you think so? you're, you're, yeah, you're moving the ball down the field. It, even even if the Ravens are scoring, you're also about to score or trying to score. But um, with four minutes left in the game on the third and nine, you know, the Ravens' pass defense isn't great. You decide to run the ball and settle for a field goal with an injured kicker. Like that that's that's too conservative. That's game losing plays and um that shows maybe you don't trust your offense or something like that. Because your offense was playing lights out that game. Probably could have scored a touchdown that drive if you you decided to pass the ball. That's fair. Um I'll say for me, I was talking to you during the game. When they went up when the the fumble happened and it was uh uh it was 23 to 3 at the time, 22 to 3, 22 to 3. Uh, and Lamar fumbled at the one yard line. I turned off the game. 
I turned off my, I, I closed my phone. I told you I was going to bed and I got in bed and I was like, dude, and my, my internet actually went out at the same time. So I was just all kinds of frustrated. I got out of bed. Of course, I turned the game back on after the internet come back on. Uh, and I have never had a more stressful, exciting second half of football, I think, since the Ravens beat the Broncos in the AFC uh, playoffs when they won the Super Bowl in 2011, 2012. I can't remember the exact year. I forget with the Super Bowls because they choose them based on the year they won, not the year they it played. It was 2012. The, yeah, there you go. Um I, the the best craziest thing about this to me is that the the Colts defense was supposed to is is a good defense normally, um, and I know they lost Xavier Rhodes during the game, but that shouldn't make the impact that it did. Lamar had the literal best passing game in the history of the NFL, statistically, obviously not you know regularly, but statistically the best passing game in the history of the NFL by completing four. 85% of his passes on 400 yards and is the only quarterback to ever do that in the history of football. And the Colts let that happen mostly in a quarter and a half. Yeah, they were playing prevent defense the entire quarter and leaving the middle of the field like wide open pretty much. I, I guess they thought they would be able to stop him in the red zone, but that's where Lamar is the most dangerous, right? Because yeah, you don't it, know it, if normally if when he's, he's not going to run it. it. Yeah. yeah, you don't know if he's going to run it or throw it to a tight end, or yeah. they're going to pull out some trick plays on you. Just some. Yeah, uh, that was all on the coach. Honestly, the, the Colts they played hard. Um, for three quarters, the offense played hard the whole game. It, very disappointing way to. Lose very exciting if you're a Ravens fan, obviously. But as an outsider, yes, you know, I want to see a, a one in four team or whatever yeah. they were because you know they're, su- they're supposed to be a good team, they're better well, than I one in like four, the they're better than one in four without a doubt. I think they're better than the Titans. I know they just lost the Titans, but I think they're a better team top to bottom than the Titans. But the two things I took away from this, um, not even from the Colts, I'll just talk because I think, honestly, I think this was a fluke, and I think that, you know, it was coaching. that did t- Several times, timeout should have been called to give his defense a breather, and they didn't. They just let him keep getting steamrolled. Um, the two things I took away from this is, one, this breaks a stigma on the Ravens where they can't come from behind and win games because of Lamar's lack of ability to pass because, obviously, that's not a, a thing anymore. Because that was ridiculous. Um, whether you can say this or that about defense, they, they went out there and executed, and he ran the two-minute drill for the entire fourth quarter perfectly. That That's really tough to do. Um, the other thing is that overtime rules are really dumb, that the Colts' defense had to withstand that fourth quarter exhausted and then as soon as we go to overtime, they flip the coin. They got to go right back out there. And then they they just got run through. And then they don't get a chance to have the ball back. I hate the overtime rules, dude. Regardless whether it's my team or not, 
that shouldn't happen. You should never not have a chance to win the game in overtime. Yeah, maybe you should write a very detailed email to Roger Goodell. Uh, I think John Gruden has that covered, and I'm going to stay away from uh, writing emails. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm good on that. But he, I, I, the crazy thing, I, primetime football this year is the best thing ever. Yeah, we've had a lot of great games besides the Lions, obviously. Uh, all yes, the primetime the Lions games have the, been very exciting. Well, I mean, the Chiefs-Bills game was kind of, I don't know. I, I thought that was, I, it was pretty definite, dominant performance by the Bills. But in general, yes. Uh, they have well, been. We, we all know the, the weather delay pretty much killed the Chiefs game. Um, I, the game ended, yeah. I thought it was like 11 o'clock. It was, it was damn near 1 in the morning. I, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I... Uh, I, I I love I love the way football has been this year, and I hope we keep going. It's been very exciting. I will say the Ravens got to stop doing this to me, man. Why are so many of their games like this? The sixty-six yard field goal, the Chiefs game, this shit, this shit, this shit took years off my life last night. I'm not gonna lie, that game took years off my life, and it won't even that like important. I just didn't want to get dominated by a one and three team, and then to watch them come back. Then it became important. Once they started coming back, it became important where you're like, you can't go put me through this and not win. But uh, it was a good win, and uh, they'll, they'll keep it rolling. I was, I was very encouraged to see Lamar throw the ball. Maybe it'll take away some of the Lamar running back things for a few weeks until he throws another interception in a couple of weeks. Well, we all know Josh Allen is more of a running back than Lamar. That dude is actually built like a running back. Yeah. <laughs> and he can hurdle like one too. Holy crap. Yeah, I'd like to see Lamar hurdle somebody. I bet Lamar can get up. You know what I mean? And I, we, I he just I doesn't do he, it. I think he hurdled people at um Louisville a couple times. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to see him hurdle like an NFL linebacker. Not if he gets hit, though. If there's any chance he's going to get hit in the, right in the legs like that, no, please don't do it. But uh, I like how Josh Allen didn't even like hurdle hurdle him. Like he just spread his legs. And hopped him like it, they were playing at uh, like leapfrog, and the linebacker was just, whoever it was tried to tackle him was just like whoop, right underneath. Um, it seemed like the Chiefs' defense were playing leapfrog the whole night. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure we'll keep talking about. Honestly, I could talk about how bad that we could talk about how bad that defense is for a long time. But uh, it's been a long episode. We had a lot to cover. By far, the most we've had to cover this year. Um, we, we we we're gonna. We don't really need to super address the John Gruden thing other than um, it. I know everybody's different opinions on how these things happen when they come up later. Uh, it's still regardless. It's disappointing to see a face of the NFL, whether regardless of how much he may look like we assume he's racist by the way he talks and acts sometimes. I might have assumed it. But hearing it and then hearing some of the stuff he said, I mean, a lot of it was probably lighthearted, and I don't think he meant it in like a uh, a super like terrible manner. But I mean, you can't do that. You got to know better. Yeah, at that age, you know what I mean. Yeah, and for all the old people out there, you, you got to know everything you say nowadays. It's not completely private, like especially emails. It's all saved somewhere. All your tweets yep. are saved somewhere. 
every post you may save somewhere so you know be careful out there and be more open-minded sometimes yeah i will say the the irony of the fact that this came out while he has the only openly gay player on his team is quite hilarious the only hilarious thing about this situation uh is <laughs> the irony uh but uh, yeah, I mean, it's really, it's just, honestly, I do think, separate from the issue, I think this is the best thing for the Raiders long-term. Yeah, uh, he, he did have a ridiculously long contract, too. That, and he can't, he can't draft. He can't draft. Just plain fact that he shouldn't, and I, I imagine he won't get hired back by ESPN after this. Uh, but he shouldn't be doing any, like, draft posts because he can't draft. He he has made it blatantly clear that he doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to drafting. I think he's a good play caller and a good coach, or no. was a good coach. But uh, I, uh, I I don't think his his GMing skills were uh, up to par. So might be good for the Raiders long term. I think this does spell a pretty bad uh, bad news for their season though. Um, yeah, and the only really like sad news about all this is. This is probably going to be Nathan Peterman's last season in the NFL. Yeah, that, and I think this is this was the guy that was um, really behind Derek Carr and had gotten Derek Carr playing at a, at a good level. And yeah. uh, this is going to be hard for Derek Carr to overcome because no one else, no other, whoever comes in next, whether it be uh, is it Pusciani or whatever that's the guy now, or Pusciani, I don't remember. He's a special teams coach, right? Yeah, um, I don't whether or not they have a good relationship or not. Derek Carr had a relationship with John Gruden, and they respected each other and they trusted each other. And now, Derek Carr has to go through that again with someone, but it might not feel the same way about him. Uh, and a lot of times, when it changes a change of guard like that, quarterbacks like Derek Carr that have had an up and down career, uh, they get left out and have to go somewhere else. So we'll have to see. Um, yeah, it just remains to be seen about that. Yeah, Derek Carr did say he'd, he'd retire if he couldn't play for the Raiders anymore. I think that's just him being Derek Carr. He says a lots of – he tries to be very inspirational. Derek Carr, I think, is like in college what Tim Tebow wanted to be because Derek Carr is like – you know he's he's so like hyper emotional and and he's very focused on God and all that, and, but he he also is so, he gets so attached and like cares almost too much, dude. I think Derek Carr would make a great coach one day, but he cares too much about like the 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 attachment to things, especially the Raiders or and I think that's that's what causes him sometimes to not be. He's not a goldfish, dude. He 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 remember he thinks about things too much. He doesn't have a 10-second memory. And it stays and things lock with him and they hang with him. And not the things that drive him, but things that kind of bring him down. And I hope that this doesn't become that thing because he's having a good solid year. But I worry that this is going to pull him down to a place that he doesn't need to be. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, well, yeah, I think that's that's all we got for today. It was, a, it was a good episode, long episode. If you stayed through and listened to the whole thing, thanks. Um, you know, we, we, we try to, you know, 
analyze everything and talk about all the sports. If you want to skip through and listen to your sports, go right ahead. That's fine. Uh, but yeah, just follow us on uh, on social media. It's what's what's our handles, Tobe? You got it. You got it locked up. Yeah, follow us on Instagram at Burrito Pod. Follow us on Twitter at Pod Burrito. And um, yeah. that's all we have for you guys today. Yeah. See you guys um, either Thursday, Thursday. or Friday yeah. for previews. Pick, pick episode. And thank you for listening.